Welcome to the Safe Room, your safe haven for gaming news and discussion. My name is Kevin. And my name's Daniel. And this is episode 45. Cult 45, the Safe Room boys, Kevin and Daniel here. What the fuck was that, dude? I, I had a, you know, about of inspiration. That was so good. Yeah? Holy shit. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about Todd Howard getting back out there, doing it again. We're going to be talking about the cowboy game mm-hmm. once once more. Sony's making some moves. Xbox might be making some moves. And Miyazaki finally gets all of the praise he deserves because he's the most magnificent human being on planet Earth. Praise the sun. Praise the sun. Daniel, how the fuck have you been? been good i guess i don't know i haven't really stopped to think about it now you don't think about yourself you're like a cat you have no (laughs) self-awareness i mean my cat seems like she has all too much self-awareness she's a very fluffy cat i like like throwing her when you don't know about it like that's my favorite thing how she reacts oh what a confession yeah it's kind of like playing hey you pikachu and you're like you're just tossing apples at adam just to see how he reacts i like flipping your cat you do do a lot of weird shit to her you test her her physics a lot (laughs) i'm just like I'm you do that thing where you hold her just above the ground and she's struggling. I'm like, Kevin, put her the fuck down. <laughs> I like to play with her expectations. That's all. Oh my God. Damn. It's but, not, yeah. I've, I like her. It's I, fine. I've been good, I guess. Uh, just chilling, working a lot, uh, watching a lot of Daredevil and yeah, just doing, doing the thing, man. You got through season three. I'm not through season three. You're yet. not through season three. I think three. there, you might've misinterpreted. Oh, I definitely did. Cause I was only on episode like five. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, well, that's why Elise was just like, yeah, that last fight. Yeah. Which I imagine had to happen anyway. Yeah. But the season's really good so far. I'm digging it. I'm probably a month behind everybody else on, like, being able to talk about it. That's fine, dude. That's why they put it up there forever. Yeah. Yeah. It had a slow start to me because I'm not really bought into, like, the whole Faith arc. I feel like they didn't really do any of that with seasons. I'm sorry, Elijah Dushku's on the show in some, yeah, some, yeah. some form of nature? What do you five mean? Five by five, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I know what you mean. Like, yeah. they, they kind of struggle with it. I think it's kind of cool. I think it's cool that he de-suits. He doesn't use the traditional Daredevil suit. He goes back to the uh, the sock. Yeah, <laughs> the sock it's on his weird. Head. Is it weird? It's a little weird seeing that half sock on his head. I, okay, so he ties these fucking, like, ropes around his wrist, and he's just going around and just getting his ass kicked more than he's kicking ass. He really gets his ass, like, beat hard in every episode he gets stabbed like 30 times that's my daredevil man yeah. he's just a fucking pin cushion a living pin cushion he takes I love it. it i know I'm, I'm really digging the season um and when they do bring back the suit it's in a really fucking mm-hmm. weird crazy way that you don't expect them to do like i'm still like losing my mind over that it's good shit yeah. i think it's good shit i think um, it, i think it's again like most marvel shows it's three episodes too long mm-hmm. like they can cap it off at 10 and be a okay because we get some meander episodes okay yeah i'm i what it's 13 episodes 12 episodes no i think it's 13 yeah okay yeah i can imagine around the episode eight or nine it's like all right where are we going with this like what they did that with electra in season two i was like "Mm." right it's like you made your point but no the season's good they bring back uh fisk and they have some cool interplay Mm -hmm. with bullseye and i just i always appreciate how each season they really build a antagonist or a villain from the ground up and they really take their time seeding it and making like the final punch uh worth it like it all feels earned with daredevil yeah no it's so. th- this one's very like it's the king of the marvel shows yeah for sure oh yeah by and large so how have you been i've been i've been all right i've been cold mm-hmm. I'm fucking cold i'm wearing a i'm wearing my scully right now yeah look at you dude you look a fucking uh like <laughs> look, you're part of law dispute if i pop the hood up it looks like i'm gonna go to a fucking rap battle yeah nerdcore rap battle yeah are you in a nerdcore yeah mom spaghetti <laughs> uh, <laughs> sonic in a freddy okay all right, maybe I shouldn't leave the no, house. No, you shouldn't. Yeah. You shouldn't leave the house yeah. like that. You're right. It's itchy, though. It's yeah. itchy. I can't, I can't pull off me. a wool cap to save my life, dude. No, I won't I, even try it. Do you think I... Do I do it? 
Yeah. Yeah. I had to ask you, you like first. It? I was like, There's, are there any stupid logos on it? Because I know how you like your fucking Borderlands hat wear <laughs> and your Dota stuff. No, dude. You know I have all that shit because my last job where I was a merchandising company mm-hmm. for video games. We made stupid shit. Uh, yeah, I had a bunch of Division hats that never sold. <laughs> Nobody really was into that, apparently. Although, a lot of people were into Division. I guess they're just not into fucking clothing. I have a Division shirt that you got me that's pretty cool, though. Yeah, it's it's yeah. a comfy one. Yeah. That's a Heather Gray. That's a, oh, I that's love a Heather Gray. Gray right there, buddy. But, I don't know. Yeah. You got a good skull cap going on right now. Cap? It's not like, you know the big floaty stupid hats that like come off people's heads? Yes. Like those fucking Scranton, Pennsylvania like, <laughs> yeah. wool caps? Yeah. No, I try to. I don't like the pointy. I don't like the pointy. Exactly. It needs to be rounded up there, you know? Because yeah. I have a perfectly shaped skull. And I need to, <laughs> <laughs> I need to announce that with my... <laughs> You look like you're about to fucking rob a bank. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Daniel, I've got some housekeeping for you. I wanted to do that. I want to lay it on you guys. First of all, thank you for walking in on the save room. If you don't know what it is, it's me and Daniel. We talk about video games at each other, and we sometimes write. Actually, we write too much for the show uh, most days. Our episodes are often way too long. Yeah, but it's worth it. Well, always. (laughs) But it's worth it because of your ears and your support. You can follow us on Twitter, at Save Room Show, if you want to hit us with some good good gifts uh and then you can also follow our streaming endeavors daniel where they can where, where, where they can find you uh they can find me over at twitch.tv slash dungeons and daniels kevin oh beautiful yeah, and yeah. they can find me at twitch.tv slash the red herb i'm playing a lot of fallout 76 he really is so where we left him last week yeah. he went harder into it more fallout 4 streams more oh, 76 i, got, streams. I got stuck in todd's mind square in the center of his mind and also if you're listening to this on uh, soundcloud probably that's our home soundcloud.com slash the save room show that's where you can actually find my cover of colt 45 oh the full version will be available on soundcloud (laughs) i can't wait put a donate link on that shit son i want to see you go far you deserve this scully more than i do you can also catch us on itunes spotify stitcher am i missing something intunes google play apple podcast all of it yeah and like it, leave a review, do whatever you need to. Uh, we appreciate you. Yeah. That's that's. But for sure, give us it. that big five star. You know, all we want for Christmas is five star ratings. It's just a big old five star. Yeah, that's all. Just one. <laughs> uh, no, no, not one star. I mean, five. <laughs> oh shit! Oh, I fucked us. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right, we're gonna do a hard about face here. Sorry, we started with goofy hahas. We're gonna get a little serious because it's important, I think. But then we're gonna return to goofy hahas. Okay, but. Yeah. Just forewarning. Uh, so this kind of deals with what's going on in California right uh, now. We wanted to kind of shout out a way that you can help. So here it goes. Uh, California is being ravaged by the most destructive fire in the state's history. Over 10,000 homes have been destroyed. Nearly 80 fatalities have been reported. Hundreds of people are still missing. And thousands of residents displaced. Some have sought refuge in overcrowded shelters. And many others are sleeping in parking lots dotted with ad hoc tents. Recovery is expected to take years. California needs your help. Please go to calfund.org and donate to one of the many relief efforts both region-wide and in Butt County where the fire has decimated the town of Paradise. On the website, you'll find a vast amount of resources and information regarding the campfire and tips on how to maximize your impact when giving disaster relief. That's calfund.org. Please consider lending a hand. They really need it. Good shit, man. 
Yeah, so I, I just thought that was pretty important. Like, I, the, the the things that have been coming out from that, the pictures and the stories. Oh, just devastating. And some of the most horrific images I've seen in a while. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine. Like, that. that's the first thing when I hear about these things. I just think, like, well, what if that happened to me tomorrow? Like, what if, like, our entire apartment burned down or our fucking car or everything's gone, you know? Like, what do we do? I mean, it's we've had a few wildfires this past summer and the one mm-hmm. prior where it's like right. it was getting that bad, but nothing quite the level that's wrecked like california in the last two years no no yeah. th- this is absolutely insane and the air quality is horrible yeah. right now oh we horrible. have friends out there we yeah. follow a lot of like developers and uh media types who you know we see them talking about right. it and they're going around with their bandanas and face masks and it's just like i can't imagine having to live with that quality of air no no <laughs> it's it's untenable and like just the way that they're saying that it's gonna take years to rebuild i can't even imagine what the amount of property damage and just the acres of shit it's it's bad it's really bad so i i would really really from the bottom of my heart i would appreciate it if anyone would just kind of just check out cal fund see see what you can do to support and from what i hear um in some areas supplies are kind of like you know like it's it's a good thing to give them supplies but sometimes they have to sort through all that shit through clothes and sizes and all that it's actually easier sometimes to donate cash uh to donate money so keep that in mind mm-hmm. uh but yeah check that out please it'd be awesome. great yep so mr daniel yes kevin i want to talk to you about a few things that sure. happened they're not exactly written things but they're on the dock yeah and therefore we must announce them and that's why our episodes are two hours and 16 minutes because so, it's been two weeks and a lot's happened it has we skipped an episode because we had a friend in town jess thank you for coming by yeah she's also on an episode the our halloween episode yeah. the scary room or whatever the fuck this I know. Room. there you go thanks yeah. for keeping me honest yeah yeah no it was cool we we yeah. fucking showed her seattle and we went to some shows together saw a lot of dispute you guys saw why so we saw why yeah it's a band why with a question mark yeah it was good shit Apparently, Glenn Howerton's really into them, too. He, oh, saw, really? he saw them live and tweeted about it, too. That's cool. Yeah, we were both losing our minds. We were like, what the fuck? He likes Y? They should put Y in it. <laughs> it's always Sunny episode. They should. They absolutely <laughs> should. Uh, but uh, another tragic thing did occur on November 12th. Stan Lee passed away. Oh, man. Yeah, man, that that's a hard, hard one for uh, the geek community, you know, comic community, just pop culture now, actually. Mm-hmm. The Marvel movies are such a, so ingrained in our media currently, it's hard not for, it's hard not to know who Stanley is. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows him. He's in, he cameos and all that. It was a bummer, too, because, like, it wasn't a matter of, like, if it's going to happen. We were just wondering when, because he was 95. He had a lot of, like, health issues, and a lot was going on in his life. Sure, sure. Long like, life, dude. And I was just like, I don't want it to happen. Every Marvel movie he ended up showing up in, or every time I saw them tweet from his account in a good way, or that showed his presence, I was like, yes, he's still in there. Yeah, <laughs> I actually, oh, I didn't meet the man, mm-hmm. but I did see him in person once. Yeah. It was, like, a couple years back at New York Comic Con. The last one I did, he passed by the booth. That's it. He walked by the booth. Yeah. <laughs> was there like a fucking cavalcade of people like following him? Yes. Wow. He had a little entourage. I feel like, you know, whatever his handlers or, mm-hmm. you know, whoever's helping him. And then uh, there's just a bunch of people with their fucking cell phones over their heads, just like getting pictures of the back of Stanley. Awesome. People loved him. I was actually reading something, uh, a little quote of his, where he was talking about how he's up at night and wondering what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And then the next day he gets like some sort of letter from a fan and it reminds him like, shit. This stranger, this person who I don't know, it's like it, it, it touched him. And he realized, like, I love my fans. I absolutely love my fans. Mm-hmm. And it, that, just that relationship is something that always wowed him. And I, I don't think he ever lost that perspective over his long life of accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Definitely a cool guy. Yeah, like you said, too, his influence is impossible not to feel these days. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's been 
writing and doing comics since like the 50s he is the reason comics are as mainstream as they are today right um and like i I haven't read everything he's done i've barely read like marvel comics you know he's done so fucking much yeah but like somebody who's been really ingrained in like marvel movies and comic book movies it's like it's Mm -hmm. cool to see his imprint on different industries whether it's movies or even in video games too Mm -hmm. it's just like he had such an influence and his presence was like he did nothing short of inspire everybody who came across him right definitely definitely and it's it's a bummer too because we lost steve ditko uh over the summer i think right yeah i think earlier in the year that happened as well that's a it's a damn shame but very i mean their works are going to continue to influence so many other artists. They already have mm-hmm. over the decades. You know, we're, we're, this bountiful geek culture that's exploded in the mainstream is in no small part uh, from Stan Lee's efforts yeah. and basically the legacy he laid down. So he was too good for this world and for us. Like we we were so lucky to have him in our generation. Absolutely, he made true believers of us all. Do you think like how historians look back yeah. on like certain like renaissance artists or influencers or like you know 1800s influencers they're gonna look back on like 1900s and 2000s and see stanley as like this big hero and influencer i can't tell you what's gonna happen in the future but i do hope that they find mausoleums where it's just like the sistine chapel but it's like him (laughs) pictures of him him. cameoing in spider-man him touching fingers with uh spider-man it's like the creation of adam all yeah over with again. peter parker <laughs> that's the thing too oh spider-man's my favorite superhero mm-hmm. you know and he was using him as kind of an example where it's like when you look at this costumed hero like full-on mask it doesn't matter what creed or race you are you can always like transplant yourself and relate to that and kind of imagine yourself as a hero and he's always so cognizant mm-hmm. of of kind of representation too i mean the x-men themselves were entirely an yeah. allegory for uh the civil rights movement you know Mm -hmm. so it's fuck (laughs) people like you know how after people die there's always like the outcry of well this person's not who you thought he was people try to come at him from saying like oh stanley was a racist and it's like no he was very representative and accepting and open of all people and all creeds and he put that forth in his works it's so evident yeah, why why is a person's death the perfect time to dogpile yeah go fuck yourself bill maher what the shit man have a little fucking class taking this as an opportunity to take a swing at comic fans and act like it's not a a medium that's brought us you know fucking great art get Mm -hmm. get the hell out of here the world and history is going to look more kindly on stanley than they will ever bill maher so you know it's it's all good (laughs) they already do (laughs) another thing occurred and i'm actually excited about this and i'm surprised this year i'm surprised by things that i don't think i would have been into okay like fallout 76 for instance sure. i'm kind of into that where i've been kind of critical of fallout in the past mm-hmm. detective pikachu pika pika we got our first fucking trailer we did i didn't expect it and i thought it was going to be a surefire trash fire just like how sonic the hedgehogs movie is shaping up to be although i think that's going to be a fucking enjoyable bird we haven't heard about any like production disasters or reshoots with it yet we haven't heard anything i think it's gonna be fine i think it's gonna be fine it's great it's great it's great so detective pikachu trailer came out looks fucking dope i love it i want to see this movie i'm super excited whole why we have hyper realistic pokemon in a movie it's weird but it's good it fits actually it, i think like the, the whole tone and feel of the movie like they made it work very well right and <laughs> I, I don't feel like at any point are they just saying like oh we're gonna fucking reinvent the pokemon universe or do whatever the fuck we want like super mario brothers movie it's like mm-hmm. no they're the pokemon trainers are a thing they do battle they make references to like lavender town and, and mm-hmm. i'm like dude this is just like a, an actual movie story injected into this universe well 
it's cool because it has the uh, pre-assumed knowledge that people going to see it are Pokemon fans and have been since like 96 or 95 or whenever Pokemon started. And mm. I think that'll serve those sort of fans the best. Oh, of course. Yeah. The very best. Mm-hmm. Like no, no one, one ever was. Oh, <laughs> uh, dude. No, it's yeah. it's going to be cool. I like this take on it. It's not so much like an origin movie trying to explain the world. It's just no. like Detective Pikachu is kind of like, what, a one-off game, and they built a universe around that, and it's like, right. yeah, cool, I know all these Pokemon, it's going to be cool, and I'm excited to see them, I don't know, like, they, they have a context for every Pokemon that fits, like, the fighting Pokemon, they're in the rings, you have, like, the yeah. Jigglypuff in the karaoke bar, very, you know, appropriately. Very menacing Jigglypuff, yeah. like, put it, like, so they, they went with the fur route, where, mm-hmm. like, you wouldn't have noticed in the games or anything, like, you don't think about, oh, that's fur, because they could do a little cartoon- cartoonish flourish, yeah. and be like, look, these little, three little triangles hanging on his neck represents fur, <laughs> but in the movie, it's like, no, we had to actually do this, and... The counter-argument was, like, what would you prefer? Like, a sack of hanging flesh on its forehead? Like, looking like testicles? Like, what? I'm like, yeah, I guess it would have been hair. What do you think of Ryan Reynolds as Pikachu? It's a little weird. It's, a little it's, weird, it's hard right? for me to uh, disassociate him from Deadpool at this point. Because whenever sure. I hear I just hear Deadpool. I hear the quips. I hear the sass. Um, I feel like he should have done a little bit more of a character voice. Yeah. Like a hard-boiled detective would have been great. At that point, he would just be aping Danny DeVito. And that's, at the end of the day, that's kind of what I still yeah, want. That, that was a choice that we needed. Yeah. That's what needed to happen. But these directors, they ain't bold, man. Yeah. I don't know. I think he'll do fine in that role. He's got yeah, a lot of yeah, personality for it. And it's going to be a fun movie. I, so I don't understand. So the, so the idea is that uh, Justice Smith, who yes. is, wanted to be a trainer, but now is... is just a boy in the mm-hmm. pokey world, uh, runs into Detective Pikachu and he understands him. And that's a big deal because typically when people hear Pokemon, they just hear Pika Pika. Mm-hmm. And they show that in the trailer. People responding to that being like, oh, he's so cute. And he's like, Pika Pika. And it's like, see, they can't hear me, kid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, I get it. But even so, even if Pikachu is running around and you couldn't understand this little fucker, you do see him like acting like a detective, like mm-hmm. at scenes of crimes and shit. There's like, like piecing together bones and crime scenes. There's a guy like in a, a there's a flipped car in the trailer and a guy crawling out of the fire of this wreckage, and I'm just like, there's Pika in the scene there, yeah, man. Just take my tail, Pika Pika. <laughs> like, wouldn't you like look at him and be like, yo, what's with this Pikachu wearing the trench coat and the fucking mm. hat? What what are we <laughs> <laughs> fucking the devil of Pallet Town over here? <laughs> saving all these people <laughs> i th- i think he's got a fucking pistol i i don't <laughs> anybody like even if you could, couldn't understand him wouldn't you recognize like oh whoa there's something up with this pokemon yeah <laughs> okay but whatever whatever i'm into it there's gonna be a little bit of a suspension of disbelief there right mm. you know but we have charizard we got mr mime confirmed for the movie oh my god yeah it's greninja is apparently supposed to be like an antagonist which is you it's kidding cool. me yeah, oh yeah. shit it's it's interesting because like growing up i had my favorite pokemon but like you in your mind kind of put camps of these are good pokemon or bad ones based off of like the sort of ways they're used in the show like when team rocket had like a coughing or that sort of pokemon or a meowth it's like i associate that with being bad Right. Um, so it's cool how they found these ones that kind of fit it in a way that's like... These, these kind of angry, evil Pokemon. Yeah. I got you, dude. First of all, that does beg a very important question. Hmm. What is your favorite Pokemon? Oh, I really like um, like Dragon types or like Psychic types. Okay. Can, yeah. you, can you boil it down to one that's like, oh, this is, my, this is my main jam? Can I give you my top three? Yes. Okay, my top three Pokemon. Ninetales. I love Ninetales. Okay. Dragonair. Okay. Dragonair is very majestic. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and I... I love Haunter. That's a good. That's yeah. a good list. Yeah, that's yeah. a good short list right there. Yeah, Pikachu is mine. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, are you gonna get Pokemon Let's Go? I don't know, dude. Yeah, 
I people are enjoying the shit out of it. it it's a walk down memory lane because it's like essentially a remake of the first few games, mm-hmm. but it looks pretty simple. And what I'm hearing, it's really easy as well. So I don't know. I don't know. I saw somebody tweet that around like the third gym battle. They're like, hey guys, this game is actually deceptively hard. Really? Yeah. Like, I guess there is a difficulty spike at some point. Okay. So Maybe. It looks charming. Yeah, no, it, it looks everything that I thought it would be. Somebody um, needs to buy it for me. That's what it is. Yeah, we could just buy each other like yeah. the other copy. No. You want Eevee? Sure. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Don't pff at me. Okay, whatever. Eevee's a national treasure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the trash squirrel. I get it. <laughs> it turns into other trash squirrels. Yeah, I, like Flareon right. and Jolteon and Vaporeon and Umber. Should I keep going? Pikachu surfs, okay? He fucking surfs. He's also solving crimes He's out there. He knows how to use a gun. He's voiced by Ryan Reynolds, and you're coming at me with this fucking trash squirrel. <laughs> Sir? I bite my thumb at you. That would be cool. You're, that, that's our Christmas. We buy each other Pokemon. Let's go. I wouldn't mind it. With the full ball? Are we going to go uh, full no, ball? No, no, no. I hear the peripherals are kind of weird for the Joy-Cons. Yeah. Everybody's saying like handheld mode is the best, but playing it on the TV and using like the, the flick of the, the wrist for the motion controls, it doesn't feel intuitive. Nah. So Yeah, I'm not, I don't know about the motion I'll probably just play it handheld. We'll see. You got a banger on here, do you? I do. Tell me about this banger. Yo, so between last episode and this one, we got into the Tetris effect demo. Uh-huh. Dude, it's so good. It is so fucking like, good. Like, I literally, you were doing your own thing in your room. I think you were playing Red Dead or some shit, and I just... Some bullshit. I just, I downloaded the demo while we were recording, and then I started it up, put my headphones on my controllers, and I got lost for an hour and a half playing this game. I had a similar experience where I was like, hey, I'm going to dick around with this for a couple of minutes before I, like, go back into Red Dead. Mm-hmm. And I look up at the clock, and it's been four hours. <laughs> I really? was doing, like, the first fucking, like, three mission things. That's all there was. That's all there was. Yeah. I was just doing them over and over again. I think there was also, like, a, an adventure mode where you can yeah. play through, like, you had to clear, like, a hundred rows. Right, and right. And it just goes and goes and goes. Yeah, and then you could post, like, scores online or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was fucking around with that, too. And I, I have my uh, my Sony Golds. Mm-hmm. They sound The game sounds immaculate in the Sony Golds, man. Yeah, I'm so pissed that I'm just doing it through my Apple earbuds, because I imagine, like, having actual oh. sound quality funneling through a oh, headphone. Oh, it's a treat. That's what got me lost. And, like, that game, if you just turn off all the lights in your house, mm-hmm. take off your pants. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I know you're going this put, way. Put on some great headphones sony golds being preferable i know Mm. you're gonna call me a sony cuck but that's fine that's (laughs) what he is that's what's happening (laughs) put those bad boys on and just play through tetris effects it's gonna be an absolute blast no i i love it um it's from resonair they have kind of a knack for doing like audio visual based games like that and puzzle games like they did what luminous I never played that. I heard um, good things. I'm I'm not traditionally like a puzzle guy. Even mm. Tetris, I was like, you literally asked me like, "Hey Daniel, how do you play Tetris?" How do you and play like, Tetris? I was like, "Are you kidding me? Tetris is like one of the oldest, most <laughs> prolific games, and you don't know how to play it." It's something that walked away from me. I've played Tetris in the pla- the past, and I've mm-hmm. played more match three games yeah. than anything. Uh, but Tetris, yeah, that wasn't like an intrinsic part of my childhood. It was for me. I played it a lot on like the Game Boy, and then like other iterations and yeah. like arcades and whatnot. And they've had other versions since then i think like tetris 2 and 3 and like there were versus modes but this is it's very unique um it is. it's all solo like single player but they, the way they handle it is like i guess the t- 
tetrominoes? Is that what they're called? The little blocks and pieces? Yeah, that's news to me. As we learned, I was like, what the fuck? I'm sorry, is there a, like a lore? Like a ba- this is a backdoor <laughs> like lore into like a TV series you're doing? A yeah. tetr- weren't they making a Tetris movie I at some point? I think they were, yeah, yeah. Okay, so now we know the tetraminos so, or whatever the fuck. <laughs> So they come down, and they come down with, like, the rhythm and melody of the game, and if you speed up how they descend and fall into place, the track actually picks up in little ways. Yeah. Or if you turn the piece, it, like, it'll pick up the rhythm, or, like, do, like, different beats here and there. And it's just, it's a really cool, like, algorithm that they have in place for it. and then the way it matches, like, the visuals is, like, it's breathtaking. Yeah, like, it, it, that first level where you're just, like, you're in this ocean, <laughs> and there are whales and schools of fish swimming around you, and you're just listening to this, like indie electric pop song as it builds and swells it's i don't know it's unlike anything i've experienced with i know you didn't play it but it's very similar to chime which was uh, a puzzle music rhythm game it's like that with um the visualizations if you had psvr that's what this game was built for if you Mm -hmm. had psvr it'd be crazy oh i hear it's like the definitive way to play for sure for sure and that it kind of explains the 39.99 price point Mm -hmm. on that bad boy which which has stayed our hand currently yeah we really wanted it uh before we picked up fallout 76 but we're like it's 40 bucks we can't really justify it so i'm gonna wait for it to go on sale i I get it i get it i get it and i know there's so much like honestly if we were to pick it up right now we would get so much fucking time out of that game where i don't think we would be arguing about the value but it's just like i think i was between checks Mm -hmm. where it was like fuck i just picked up fallout yeah and (laughs) it's it it sucks because i want the game to do well i want them to make another one it's really fucking cool and i want to contribute to that but like i don't know it's a it's a value play for me like i just I'm spending my money on $60 AAA games. I need to wait. Right. So. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. Anywho. I want it, though. Yeah. Fuck, that's Fuck the I... problem. I fucking want to get this game. The demo is, like, closed off, but if you can just, like, look yeah. up videos of it or you're interested, just pick it yeah. up, dude, because it's it's worth your dollar. Let's just pick sure. it up today. No. Let's just do it. No, we're going to play Fallout 76, Kevin. Okay, we're going to play Fallout 76. What whatever, else you got for me? Whatever, whatever, whatever. I got some quick hits on here. Some shit was popping in the news. Not everything that happened in the last week is in here, but most things that tickled my fancy are, mm-hmm. and some that tickled yours. So let's walk through it. Okay. Number one. Well, what the fuck? Are, there's a point in numbers, right? You know? Should, I mean, be number one? people love numbers. They love lists. Can you remind me to keep with the number theme later on? And just be like, oh, this is number eight now. Oh, God. Oh. Somebody's breaking in. <laughs> Detective Pikachu's doing something up there. Detective Pikachu will find our corpses. <laughs> A magmar incinerated us. <laughs> that was good. Good pull. Okay. All right. Number one, strategy guide publisher Prima Games is shutting down i'm sorry i got so many bummers on this fucking episode yeah i'm I'm sorry guys but that's what's up parent company dk announced that prima will cease producing guides and will close its doors in spring 2019 dk says it made the decision due to a significant decline in the video game guide sector prima has been in business for as long as i've been alive 28 years my dude wow since 1990 is that what 20 yeah yeah Yeah, since 1990 (laughs) okay wow yeah that that's rough stuff man i remember really loving the prima guides and i I remember specifically my favorite one was the um the one they did for resident evil the remake Mm -hmm. for the gamecube because it came with a gigantic poster oh those are always really cool you've seen that poster remember the one that i had folded like it looks like a piece of shit now because you could see the fold marks from it being inside of a prima guide circa 2002 (laughs) (laughs) but i i'm gonna miss him but it makes sense right you know i mean yeah there there's always gonna be this uh inclination and in different medias to move towards the biggest thing unfortunately print guides are going out of business because of digital media digital guides like 
IGN does digital walkthroughs and videos. So it made sense that on the long term, yeah, eventually things like this are going to come to an end because like people aren't buying guides the way they used to. They might I'm be, certainly not. They might be doing it for like the collector's edition mm-hmm. appeal because like they do release a lot of cool like hardcovers of guides and stuff like that. But otherwise, like I don't think people are spending money on things like that. Like even back in the day, like I love Prima. I love their guides, but I can struggle to remember how many I've even bought. Probably only one. And especially when it comes down to like, you know, function over the aesthetic of having these guides mm-hmm. where if you go on Google, I can ask like, Hey, how do I get past the fucking clown clock boss? Mm-hmm. And that exact thing's going to pop up like 10 videos, three fucking like walkthrough guides, mm-hmm. a game facts, you know, rather than me having to like search through pages and think, okay, chapter three. No, I'm on, I'm on mission 5.1, not 5.2. Mm-hmm. Is this subset oh, a, Oh fuck. I went too far. This is the second time you fight the clown clock boss. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that doesn't happen online. Yeah. It, 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 we engage with it differently, but it's sad because you know, there's something about the printed physical medium that, that mm-hmm. is always going to have that kind of anchor in our hearts. Yeah, I have like fond memories of like being a kid and like going to like a Barnes and Noble or Borders or whatever and just sitting like in, in like the corner while I was waiting for like my grandpa or my aunt to do something and then, you know, leafing through like a Zelda strategy guide or mm-hmm. Final Fantasy strategy guide and just getting to like, because they do them big, like they have like their intro section and they have like their concept art, they have their enemy designs towards the end and then the meat is usually like, walk through and it was just a special experience to like leaf through and if i wanted to glean like strategies i would but most of the time i would just take it and i'm like yeah this is really cool that somebody took the time a lot of time actually to put this together what was your favorite prima um one of my prima one of my favorite ones that i actually owned was like um mario 64 Oh, I've heard of that one. Yeah, that game. was a great one. Uh, I, I used the shit out of that. I had a Final Fantasy X one, but at that point, I just had it to have it. I wasn't actually reading it. Full disclosure, like I back then, I didn't really love using strategy guides. I liked the merit of like being like, I figured this out on my own. I was my own completionist. Oh, you're um, one of those fucking yeah, kids yeah. in the cafeteria. Just if, like, could, if you were good at the game, you wouldn't need a guide. I mean, maybe a little bit here and there for sure. But Get like, it for the art, Daniel. Stop it. But like, I liked being able to say that I accomplished this thing without somebody's help. I was actually, with, with Zelda games in particular, Like I was the guide guy. Like People would ask me, like, oh, shit. hey, how did you get through like this boss or this dungeon? And like, I wanted to write guides at a point. I thought it would be really cool because like, that's how granular I liked thinking about games you ever think about charging for that service when you're Mm -hmm. in school and just like oh you want to know how to get past uh uh the fucking death mountain okay yeah 15 dollars, little man put that (laughs) shit in my hand Uh, well i literally had friends who would like try and like barter with me like hey i'll pay you to come over and like beat this part of the game for me and i'm like nah dude i just want to play it i like just playing through it and showing people like different nooks and crannies or like oh here's a secret room you didn't know about i don't know it was cool you ever see the game guides for games that you're just like i don't think that's necessary like um star wars jedi power battles Mm -hmm. like what do i need to know behind like clear the room move on to next room (laughs) i think one of the more recent ones that i was like why do they have a guide for this was star wars battlefront the 2016 one where i was like it's a multiplayer (laughs) online shooter it has a single player so they broke they broke down like all the guns and character types oh my god little um attributes that you get when you level but the single player stuff was just like challenge modes where it's like okay kill this amount of stormtroopers in this amount of time or... oh is this for the first battlefront not the second one no for battlefront that oh, came okay. out in 2016 gotcha gotcha yeah yeah and okay. i was like that's weird okay whatever <laughs> yeah weird 
Yeah, see, I, I don't know. It was bound to happen. Mm-hmm. I just wish that Prima like found a way to evolve, maybe? Yeah, I, it's weird. I saw them do videos, I think. I remember them. Or is that Brady Games? Well, they bought Brady Games in 2015, mm-hmm. so it doesn't matter. I guess because at that point, they probably didn't have the sort of like digital imprint that like publications like IGN did, and they were mm-hmm. already ahead of it. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. Prima is like a name that everybody knew for that sort of stuff. So if they went online hard and fast, like at the same time IGN started doing it, well, yeah, they would have had some leg in it. Start doing trophy guides. Start doing, like, game playthroughs and stuff like that. Trophy guides. Yeah. Trophy books. The thing is, like, you have to evolve with the medium or the platinum. And if you don't evolve, unfortunately, you get left by the wayside and you have to shudder. It's just kind of how it is. Damn, coming in. <laughs> here comes fucking Daddy Daddy Daniel Bucks over here. It's telling you what it's like it's in true, the business man. world. <laughs> fucking railroads coming through, leaving all Yo, the, the you horse riders. Yo, business behind. consultant. You just walk in and be like, "You gotta evolve or die, idiots!" And then just walk out, and get paid a hundred thousand a year. <laughs> uh, next one on here, Daniel number two. Reggie Fiza May says Fiza no way to a Nintendo sixty four classic edition. I know, I know. It breaks your heart, right? The Reginator told Kotaku that the first two classic consoles were limited time offers meant to bridge the gap between Wii U and the Switch. Now imagine him saying this angrily. (laughs) Here's a quote. (laughs) So while consumers may have been anticipating something... More hands. Oh, more hands. You're right, you're right. And he's got like crazy eyes when he he does does. this. Okay, okay. Let me get into the Reginator. (laughs) My body is ready. My body is ready. My body is ready. Hello, Nintendo fans. (laughs) So while consumers may have been anticipating something, we view these as limited time opportunities. We've also now been very clear that as the consumer looks forward to engaging with our classic content, that is going to happen more and more with the subscription service. Like, I just want him to be exasperated Mm -hmm. (laughs) about this shit. Just like, stop asking for these little mini machines. They cost a lot to make. They do. Are you are you sad about this though? I actually think he's full of shit. I think they're still gonna make one. You think? Oh, <laughs> I, have, like, I think they're gonna make one still. You think Reggie wouldn't lie to us, Daniel? Mm. I don't. I don't really care at this point. Mm. I, I think honestly, put your put your subscription service talk where your mouth is. Your 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 Reggie mouth, mm. because I want to see N sixty four games downloadable on my Switch. That's it. That's appearing yeah. simple through line. If you give me that to the fullest capacity, uh, yeah. whether through a subscription or hey, you can buy this game for nine ninety nine or nineteen ninety nine. I that's more of a value prospect to me than buying like a hundred dollar machine that I may I may or may not use. You know, because mm-hmm. this is what we've wanted since the Wii U. We had it on the Wii. Like, give us that continuation. If you give me stuff like that, I still have my N sixty four. I don't need like a little like boutique like classic system because i already have one and, i want like the accessibility of it and on your, a... your n64 will last another 400 years oh yeah dude it's fucking i'm gonna put it in the uh, time capsule <laughs> <laughs> you just got to clean the cartridges that's all yeah a little bit those pins did get kind of annoying it's got a little brasso man a little bronze cleaner on there get a q-tip wipe off the uh the slooge I think even if they had kind of done it anyway, if they were like, hey, we did it in 2016, we did it in 2017, we're going to do it here, you're going to get an N64 Classic, um, I still think they would bring it harder and bigger for me than Sony did with the PlayStation Classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe that's another reason to not do them. Just yeah. like watching like PlayStation flounder with their own version of the idea, mm-hmm. and they're just like, man, that could hit us down the line, because I think somebody else was noting that the N64 era and the PlayStation era is a licensing nightmare. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when they started using license tracks because they're actually able to put them on the cartridges and discs rather than like the SNES era. Mm-hmm. And running into all sorts of little bullshit and technicalities. This studio's not alive anymore. This one is alive. Or it's like Rare owns most of the fucking 
library of good ass games. I was gonna that are say, and the they N64. work with uh, Microsoft now. So yeah, it's you... like a lot of weird out of contract, like second and third, yeah. third party stuff. Why even try to figure that out? <laughs> I would just do it case by case basis. Mm-hmm. Start rebuilding Virtual Console, man. That's what they. That's what the people want. That's what I want, man. I want to play fucking Diddy Kong and Mario Party mm-hmm. and Jet Force Gemini and Banjo Kazooie. I want to play it on my Pro Controller on my Switch. I know? do. That's what it is. Because we always talk about it. I like the N sixty four controller, but goddamn, does it does it cramp? Is it a piece of shit? <laughs> <laughs> it's true i was just but, thinking about that i used to hold it with like uh my hands on the outside ones i know people would do the inside yep. arrow i didn't play it like it looks that. like a pitchfork it's why my hands hurt today reggie <laughs> god damn it reggie <laughs> <laughs> they're cotton constant n64 claws it would have been cool though to like get like a hundred dollar like retro machine though with like you remember the old school like um hmm circuitry exposed designs where they had like the atomic purple and it was like oh like the see-through plastic yes if they had done something like that i would have bought it well they don't give us any variety with the mini editions like you remember how like the playstation they had all sorts of cool variants for that console and they're coming out with the gray boy box with the shitty uh dual shockless controllers Mm -hmm. fantastic kudos to you (laughs) you know (laughs) all right next thing on here number three Activision is disappointed in Destiny 2 sales. What? Wow. Hmm. Wow. The company said the following during an earnings call, quote, some of our other franchises like Destiny are not performing as well as we'd like, end quote. Destiny 2's latest DLC expansion, Forsaken, has been met with high praise from hardcore fans, but Activision seems to indicate it hasn't been enough to re-engage the full core of players. The game's director, Luke Smith, took to Twitter to say, quote, we are not disappointed with Forsaken. We set out to build a game that Destiny players would love, and at Bungie, we love it too. Building Destiny for players who love it is and will remain our focus going forward. End quote. Seems like a little bit of a tiff. Yeah, a little bit of back and forth there. Yeah, a little back and forth between Bungie and Acti, Acti there, man. Okay. Now, this brings up the, the age-old debate. We, we are hearing announcements like, you know, Xbox, or I mean to say Microsoft, picking up uh, independent studios like Obsidian and Ninja Theory. Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh my god, oh, what's this mean for Xbox's future? How exciting, da 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 And I'm just like, why is this considered a boon when these studios end up in these relationships with large publishers and just end up fucking butting heads, mm-hmm. you know? Like, Bungie fought for fucking years to get out from underneath Microsoft, only to land in bed with Activision. I'm like, how is that better? yeah. I don't under, I don't understand it. And then you hear shit like this and it's just like I get it, like the revenue flow is the reason for it. I get it. Mm-hmm. I totally understand that. But if you can find another way, why aren't you finding another way? That just tells me like, damn, what a volatile, unstable market, you know? Where especially especially since it's so it's so chaotic where it's like, hey, we're the talk of the town right now and then something else comes out and mm-hmm. that game is a shit. Destiny is going through that right now. Well, People walked be, away. It's gotta be hard too, because it's like Activision doesn't expect Destiny to survive in the way that a single-player game does. They're treating it as, like, a game of service with long-term onboarding and continual play, and they want people to continually spend money on it. But, you know, people like us, where we try and sample a little of everything, we're kind of jumping from one game as a service to the next. Mm -hmm. Like, we got our main fill of it within, like, the first month and a half, two months, and then we moved on. And I don't think, like, we bought it. Uh, I'm sure the sales were there. I'm sure there Mm -hmm. have been good overall sales, um, maybe not in comparison to the first Destiny. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know the numbers on it, but I 
I would imagine it sold well initially. I'm sorry that people aren't haven't been able to keep with it, but it got really repetitive. The grind was a lot of the same, and by the time the DLC had come out, like yeah, it's cool. I might get back into it one day because I, it was a snappy game. I had fun with it. It was. We had a lot of fun. It's got amazing gameplay, but it's like we (sighs) ran into a wall where like the end game wasn't that fascinating, and of course we walked away in the way that you and I game. We're mood gamers, buddy. Yeah. Through and through TM. Well, and... there were things that kept me going with it. Like, um, there was like a competitive PvP mode, yeah. like the Shacks challenges. Um, but it, it got to a point where if we didn't have a fire team of more than two people, we couldn't do a lot of the end game stuff that they wanted us to do to keep engaged. Sure. Like, we couldn't do raids, we couldn't do strikes. And it, it became stifling. And I was like, well, I'm kind of done here. <laughs> sure, sure. I, I think that's the, the rough go that like service games have. Like, mm-hmm. like, that's the constant battle where it's like they're all fighting for the same mind share. They're trying to retain players in such a way where they interact with your game and continue to pump money into it through expansions and and smaller content Mm -hmm. over time and they think like oh yeah that's what somebody's gonna do but it's like not all fucking gamers just chill on the same game all year like that especially where at this time in the industry fucking hit after hit is coming out Mm -hmm. you know you can get distracted easily so when a game comes out of the gate especially at a service level game like that and it doesn't retain players and it's like they made they go through this entire effort to actually fix the game at a certain point. Mm-hmm. You know, like Destiny did this with Destiny One with the Taken King. And it's almost like unfathomable that it had to happen again with Destiny Two, that it was like, yo, this game's kinda disappointing out of the gate, and then now we gotta wait for you to fix it. And I feel like to a degree, we'll talk about it later, that Fallout seventy six is kinda doing that, where I feel is gonna end up on that path too, where people are like, Okay, initially whatevs and then they go through the process six months down the line of like rebooting that game to like hit players, but it's like that's a trust buster in my mind because yeah. it's like we wanted that full package and that great experience out of the gate because you're asking sixty dollars like any other game, like a God of War or a Last of Us that's fully baked or ready. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you have different complications, but that's that's what it comes down to, and this is why people walk away from certain service games. What's up, dude? You're looking at something wrong. Oh yeah, I was looking to see what their total gross numbers were. I can't really find them i'm sure they'll look like to us like oh that looks fine but in activision's mind it's like well we pumped so and so amount of money into marketing we we pumped so and so amount into these resources and distribution Mm -hmm. and it's so it's like they look at these goals that are not being hit over time and that's when they start to complain this is uh selling soft because it's like well yeah maybe the budget was fucking 200 million and they mm-hmm. didn't make they didn't make that back over the stretch of time so that they wanted to apparently within the first month of destiny's destiny one's release they made 550 million dollars that's that's a crazy <laughs> amount for a game to make but physical sales of destiny 2 in its launch month i think that was what september or october of september of 2017, 2017 yeah. they did half of that so like doing like 250 million dollars in sales like i think that's still like that's not anything to scoff at. Like, that's still a good amount of money to be making. Sure. But granted, like, a big publisher, like um, Activision, I'm sure they want to see more. They want to see it in the billions because they have big teams working on this and they're trying to keep it going for continual growth. Like, they're looking at the bottom dollar. Especially if they have, it is a games of service and they have people continually working on it and putting assets and time and money into it, they need to see more return. And I don't think they're seeing it with things like um, like microtransactions, much in the way that, like, games like Fortnite are free, games of services are getting that kind of return mm-hmm. so the interesting conflict here is that on the creative side bungie feels like they hit their goal of making the best possible with forsaken yes. the best possible destiny game that they could for fans and activision's like 
you just wasted all these resources and it's not getting the return we want. Mm-hmm. You know, for them, they're looking at a very factual number base where it's like, I see X amount of effort and resources pumped into it. We want to see Y amount coming out the mm-hmm. the uh, other side. And that Y is less than, you know, what they feel like the proportion should be to mm-hmm. X. That's it's simple math. And that's when it, that's when a fucking publisher starts coming at you about like, what are you doing? How come you're not making 105 billion instead of just 100 well, billion? It's a weird thing to come out the gate with, uh, like a month or two after they released it for free on PlayStation mm-hmm. Plus. Like that game was free to download for a month. Yeah. So like, I don't know what kind of deal they cut with um, Sony to make that happen, or how much of that they took at a loss. But like, why say that after the fact? You know? <laughs> or was that a fucking hail Mar- a hail mary mm-hmm. on Acti and Bungie's part, possibly to get people? back into the game to do that re-engagement i mean that, that that would be my idea where it's like nobody's fucking if we have no player retention people are fucking out the door mm-hmm. make that base game free to get new people through yeah the and door. then when forsaken <laughs> launched i think that same month like it would have right. got people on for that and buy the sure. expansion and whatever else i think yeah october i saw a lot of people on my friends list back into Destiny yeah just too. kind of back into it i've been interested going back into it because yeah. i like hearing that oh shit the promise that we made for what destiny should have been destiny 2 should have mm-hmm. been has been uh succeeded with with forsaken Mm -hmm. that has me interested yeah but at the same time i hate getting burned by service games like that where it's like oh i have to wait for you to become like the game that you promised to be yeah that can't keep happening it's happened a lot it happened with the division for us it happened with battlefront it happened with final fantasy 15 even which is like a single player game that became sort of a games of service multiplayer platform yeah with its dlc and constant patches and whatnot like I don't know. It sucks. I hate the, like, kind of butting heads mentality of the publisher versus developer. Because, like, Bungie's like, no, we're proud of what we did, and they want to do more. And I'm sure Destiny 3 is still going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, I, they still have that relationship and contract. So whether it's Destiny 3 or a different, like, other sort of title, like, we're going to get one more last hurrah from Bungie. It will absolutely be a last hurrah if they pull this shit where Destiny 3 comes out of the door disappointing and we have to wait for them to fix it they cannot get away with that again it will not happen for them there would be no more destiny after destiny 3 if they do that yeah i'd, I'd be hard-pressed to disagree yeah. with that well i got a number four for you kevin because we're doing the number thing yeah cool uh steam has officially begun delisting its catalog of telltale games titles Ugh. according to polygon a handful of telltale games titles are being pulled from the digital storefront amongst the games being pulled are jurassic park Back to the Future, Monkey Island, and The Famed Walking Dead. However, The Wolf Among Us, Batman, and Game of Thrones still remain for sale. Despite some titles being pulled from Steam, they are still able to be digitally purchased from the PlayStation and Xbox stores and as a part of Humble Bumble deals. This news comes in conjunction with a report from Games Daily, which reveals that Telltale has begun its liquidation process and is filing for its assignment proceedings, which is slightly different than bankruptcy. The process is being handled by, handled by Sherwood Partners. Oh, I use them. Do you really? Yeah, yeah. Who have already been conduct? Uh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I fucked you up. <laughs> the process. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm out of here. <laughs> the process is being handled by Sherwood Partners, who have already been. Oh, oh I use them. Damn it! I laugh thinking about it. <laughs> Alright, the process is being handled by Sherwood Partners, who have already begun contacting those who might have a claim on Telltale's assets. Additionally, a former Telltale employee has told Games Daily that their mandatory post-employment health benefits handled through COBRA will end for former employees on November 30th. Okay, that was bound to happen at some point. 
Yeah, I think it was just kind of, <clears throat> we were waiting for the other shoe to drop. We're like, okay, when's it going to happen? I wonder what, what, I remember I mentioned that before with this whole, when we first started talking about Telltale closing, mm-hmm. I was like, I would pick up their games now because there's no promise that these licensed games are going to be maintained or kept in storefronts by a company that doesn't exist. Well, yeah, I think you saw what the final season disappear from the PlayStation store. Right. And I think that that seemed more of like an executive decision because they didn't know what the fuck was going to happen. So they didn't want more people to be buying like the season pass and all that. Mm-hmm. But it was weird that they took down the individual episodes after a certain point. Yeah. Um, but I assume that they're going to put those back up because of the Skybound deal that we talked about before as well, where they're going to finish the last two episodes mm-hmm. and presumably release the whole package together. Yeah, I imagine it's a whole like renegotiation process. and Yeah, it's got it. Or, or to them, it might, I think it's an engineering process now because they got to get back people that... May not want to work with them anymore mm-hmm. and uh basically just fucking finish it up from wherever they left off but yeah this is humble bumble is it i thought it was hun- humble bundle is it humble bundle oh, or humble bumble humble bumble humble bumble huh? is is it re- <laughs> 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 let's not check no 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 it's gonna be humble bumble from now on yeah that's a better name don't write into us at you're wrong you're right ro- <laughs> don't do that <laughs> yeah just, just hit us up at kind of funny you're wrong <laughs> No, it's, um, it's, you know, the story is going to continue to develop and it's sad to finally see like this company and their legacy come to a close, but it was bound to happen. But it is nice to hear that there are some mandatory post-employment health benefits, uh, that are going to be dished out. I wonder if that, what what does that mean? Well, there were. So they were doing like, um, like the whole termination process started in September and October and they were giving kind of like staggered uh health benefits and employment things like that until this certain date so from the 30th on these former like telltale employees they have to find out something new they have to get insurance and health benefits otherwise fuck yeah yeah that's hard that's still like one of the more tragic things to come out of the industry this year no big bummer i get a number five here for you kevin it's also kind of a little bummer okay uh say it ain't so prompto tabata son is leaving the boys in square enix motherfucker i know right no, I mean, no, no more hot leather daddies and, and treks in the regalia. It's so sad. <laughs> Let's redo that. I don't no, know. No, I, no, I, no, I don't no, want no. to. Re- I didn't want to scream out, motherfucker. <laughs> well, here you are. On November seventh, Square Enix was set to host a live stream <laughs> called Special Program. The stream was built with a focus around further DLC installments for Final Fantasy fifteen, as the company announced four new character DLCs planned in twenty nineteen for Arden, Lunafreya, Aranea, and Noctis. This was big news for the continuation of post release support for the game. However, that day we were thrown a curveball as the game's director Haj- Hajima Tabata. You got this, Hajima Tabata. Announced his resignation from the company on stream and the cancellation of all but one of the DLCs, episode Arden. Quote, in regards to my next endeavors and near future, I have a project that I truly wish to solidify as my next challenge after Final Fantasy XV. For that reason, I have decided to leave my current position and start my own business in order to achieve my goal. As production of episode Arden continues and Luminous Production works on new projects, I felt that it was time for me to hand over the torch to the next generation of talented and trustworthy colleagues and believe that they will create something amazing. End quote. Tabata is known for his work on Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core, Good Final one. Fantasy Type Zero, eh. a better one, yeah, right? And more recently, stepping in for Tetsuya Nomura as Final Fantasy XV's game director in 2014 and seeing the game through its troubled production and its release in 2015. His resignation is especially surprising considering his recent decision to head up a new internal Square Enix studio, Luminous Productions. Luminous was positioned by the company to, quote, develop new AAA titles and bring innovative game and other entertainment content to a global audience. End quote. Oh. It's a bummer. Well, 
Okay, so there, there, there's a lot of pieces here. There's mm-hmm. a lot of pieces, and let me put it through here, through this. Sure. We loved Final Fantasy 15. We have a whole episode talking about despite its numerous flaws, its disconnected story, and its really brief, odd, unsatisfying third act. Mm-hmm. We loved our time with the boys. It there was, was fun. It had a charm to it, man. Absolutely. I loved the music. I loved the feel of it. Yeah, I didn't love walking everywhere to achieve level 10 survival, but I, I did it. because I, I didn't love it. anything about the regalia. Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> the only thing was playing music was the good part. That was awesome. Yeah, but you and I, despite this love for this game, didn't re-engage with the content. It's mm-hmm. a very similar story to Destiny 2. We just didn't go back to it. Mm-hmm. We were big fans. We made the initial purpose a purchase, and we didn't support it afterwards, I mm-hmm. guess, with our time, because we didn't view it as worth it for one reason or another. I think we both we flirted with the idea from time to time, mm-hmm. but just well, never did it. I hard flirted. I got to second, I, uh, second base with that idea, because mm-hmm. I actually bought the Royal Pack DLC. Or whatever it's called. The Royal Edition. Oh, really? Did yeah, you? so I have, like, the Comrades DLC. I have Episode, Gladio, all those. Oh, well, make me an asshole, then. So you did re-engage with the content. Well, I bought it, like, a month or two ago, but I haven't played it yet. And you never played it? No, no, Really no. weird. Okay. Yeah. I still do want to get back into it, because the game is reportedly, like, way different than it was at launch. And That's what I hear, too. I hear they did great things yeah. uh, for the game. You know? But I just... I That was the initial experience out of the gate. Mm-hmm. I play a lot of the games. I moved on to whatever else by the mm-hmm. time I hit that plat and just walked away from it. I mean, that's how it is with most uh, single-player games for me these days. Like, mm-hmm. you know, my God of Wars or Spider-Man. Like, I, it's very rare for me to re-engage with a game and beat it, you know, a second or third or fourth time like I would when I was a kid, because I'm moving on to the next thing and, you know, trying to spend my time, like, with a new experience. Like, I don't need to be replaying the same game, like, five, six or so times. So, mm-hmm. like, yeah, we walked away from it. But for them to support it in a bigger, like, games of service type way, like, it did bring about replayability, like... It would be cool to explore that world with friends. Like, Dave had it, and you were thinking about getting it. And I was like, yeah, we could get the boys back together. We can create our own fucking leather daddies and get out there. But why didn't it work? I guess is a question. Because they had to cancel the rest of these plans. In fact, I didn't even know about these other plans, this other four fucking content yeah, packs that I, they wanted to do. I just knew about the initial four, like the Prompto episode and the Gladiolus episode and all that. I think they had mentioned it like really, really early on and were like, there's no way they're actually going to do it. Right. Like, I thought they were going to tap out at Comrades and kind of put their effort into like an online ecosystem, like Final Fantasy fourteen or something like that. I didn't think mm-hmm. they were going to keep doing single player stuff. Right, right. Um, so was it lopsided? Was it them just putting a lot of effort into something that people were just like we're not about this you know because there was a lot of pushback on 15 when it came out they're like what mm-hmm. the fuck is this game this is not a final fantasy da, 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 da. there was a lot of detractors but it found yeah. its success but i feel like it had its time and people treated it like previous final fantasies it's like i got through it so okay mm-hmm. and those that really engaged with it kept on with it but the rest of us didn't fucking continue to support their dlc Mm -hmm. plans and their longevity plans to keep the 15 brand alive you know yeah i don't know where that pressure was coming from i don't know if that was from like square or sony even like hey you have to keep doing stuff like this it probably wouldn't have been right maybe maybe they wanted to see some sort of like return or Mm -hmm. or constant like returning plan that 14 benefited from but that's just the nature of that game it's an mmo you can't expect 15 to turn into this ever expanding experience Mm -hmm. that people continue to engage with i don't think that was going to happen they tried to turn 15 into a service game at that point huh they did yeah that's absolutely what it is right now yeah and it's got to be frustrating for somebody like tabata to have to come in like near the end of a game's production and development cycle and have to just fix it and then continually iterate and make it better and not have it be quite what you want it to be or not see return on it like 
Crisis Core, Type Zero, Final Fantasy Fifteen. People talk about them, but they're not like the most lauded Final Fantasy games. They're not the most like commercially successful. I don't no. think. Um, so it must have been frustrating for him to put all his effort in and still kind of hear flack about it or people criticize it. And I could understand him wanting to move on to something different. I'm interested to see what he's got next. You know, I Same I, here. I do think he had a good vision and really helped turn that game around. Like. First troubled and all over the place as it was at the time. At the end of the day, like when we played through it, I was like, this game really served me. I liked what I got out of it. I couldn't imagine how it would have stayed if like Nomura stayed on board with it. It probably wouldn't have been finished, actually. <laughs> right. Like <laughs> it, it would be in fucking Final Fantasy VII Remake Purgatory, much like Kingdom Hearts 3 has been <laughs> for years. So, yeah, I gotta say, for a game that seemed like it was kind of uh, circling the drain of development hell for yeah. as many years as it was in production. I, I think it's the product they ended up with is amazing in that it is playable, functional, and you can find some sort of enjoyment yeah. out of it. Even if it was a little dated in some of yeah. its like UI and maps and gameplay features, but like at yeah. the, they made it at the end. They made an open world Final Fantasy game. You know, I know they did it. Even if that seems like maybe that's not something that a lot of old time fans want, but I think I think you don't. I don't think you throw that away. I think the open world is absolutely fine mm-hmm. in this game. I think the next 16, whatever the fuck it's going to be, you take a lot of the lessons, a lot of the gameplay components of this, but you go after a more conventional aesthetic to Final Fantasy, that fantasy, steampunkish style. I think people want to see a return to the roots with it. I think so too. Because like Final Fantasy 15 and all of its 10 year development, it was a very much a direct response to what they did with Final Fantasy 13. Mm -hmm. Like them criticizing the non-linearity or the, sorry, the linearity of Final Fantasy 15, how there's only like a very short open world segment this game was all open world it was very non-linear there was a lot of exploration a lot you can do it was very traditional in that final fantasy sense it just wasn't quite what the old time fans wanted so yeah return to like that final fantasy 6 feel or 7 or 8 or 9 and like give us something more fantastical because like at, at times this game didn't feel fantasy at all it's like i felt like just a, a king in the countryside just fighting beasts and it some of it didn't mm-hmm. mash or mesh up as well as it could have but i still enjoyed it you know isn't, isn't that the odd narrative mm-hmm. of final fantasy 15 like a lot of people related to those characters and that stuck the landing but the story didn't and that's that's really <sighs> rough going through that game it just felt very disjunct oh yeah Junction system? What's that? Part A? Part A? The best one? Part A? Part A? The best one? What what else you got on here, Daniel? Uh, Number six to close out the quick hits here, we got uh, GameStop's Black Friday ad. It came out today. Some cool deals on there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Capitalism. At its best, man. For you and me. Yeah. That's all I had. Anything on here speak to you? Oh, you want me to pop open this link? I mean, I'll go ahead and, and show some ones that are kind of like speaking to me. Um, they got Call of Duty Black Ops 4, 38 bucks. That's kind of awesome. That's a doorbuster deal. Uh, God of War, $17. If you don't own God of War and you have a PS4, $17 is a fucking steal. Right. Um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, 27 bucks. Get yourself new DualShock controllers for just 40 Fallout 76, 40 bucks. Yeah on sale already i think i said that it might drop like that and you're like no there's no way it would come down yeah i was like it's no way because it's releasing too close to black friday Mm -hmm. like it's a week before black friday but no they did it they want to onboard people with it i respect Respect it especially because reception for fallout 76 has kind of been like lukewarm (laughs) oh shit dude justice just dance 2019 25 bucks man done deal Oh shit! All of Horizon for ten bucks. That, that's that's that, crazy. That's really good. One actually. of the really uh, awesome hardware yeah. deals on here though is you, uh, you can get a one terabyte PS4, uh, the Spider Man console bundle for two hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Like that's awesome. A one terabyte PlayStation Four in that fucking game. That's that's a steal. 
Okay, so Call of Duty Black Ops 4 on sale is uh, Thursday to Saturday only. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there are some like time frames that you have to get some of these games. Daniel, I don't want to be in a GameStop during Black Friday. That That's the worst. I don't like Isn't that it? at all. I Did fucking work? hate that. I worked a Black okay. Friday at GameStop. Yeah. It, it's, it's not good, man. People are just very jittery. They have their, their fucking caffeine in them because they woke up so goddamn early. So like any sound, like a, like a pin drop will piss them the fuck off. <laughs> I remember standing in a fucking Black Friday line in front of a Best Buy, mm-hmm. and <laughs> there was this couple that was just standing there fucking smoking cigarettes in line. Like, there's hundreds of us lined up outside just mm-hmm. fucking smoking cigarettes. Somebody walked up and was just like, this person is a baby. <laughs> and they were like, oh my god, I didn't know. Like, yeah, how do you not, ri- you're in a line with people. You know what you're doing. You know what you're doing. <laughs> and I'm just like, I want to avoid these awkward, horrible Black Friday is the worst of people, Daniel. Not the yeah, best. Yeah, yeah. People best. trampling people over stupid TV deals. It's a, it's a disgusting time of the year for as good as it's supposed to feel. But I do want that Call of Duty. I do want it. I want to play that Call of Duty so bad. Yo, I want to get I want to get that Call of Duty. No, I want to get into it because I've I've heard good things about it and I'm interested in Blackout mode. I hear it's really good. I hear it's pretty interesting too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When they did, I think it was IGN, they did like a three-fold review for it where they reviewed like the multiplayer blackout and zombies and blackout was the consistently highest rated mode out of all of them really yeah over zombies over either. zombies goodness gracious mm-hmm. maybe that's our Fortnite. that's what it's gonna be yeah because like a lot of the systems of Fortnite didn't really speak to me like the building on the fly the fort defense and all of that i like killing people but like it, oh, it didn't geez. always feel like satisfying <laughs> in the way that i imagine it would in like blackout mode you heard it from daniel i prefer killing people <laughs> over building or creating yeah, true gotcha well daniel uh, speaking of <laughs> <laughs> speaking of not uh, the same thing at all whatsoever i wanted to do a new segment on here because we're always talking about bummers we're always talking about somebody being an asshole we're always talking about a streamer dropping a racial slur i want to i want to actually do a little spotlight on people being good in the gaming community sure we call a good gamer okay okay where each week we spotlight incredible people in the gaming community stepping up to assist their fellow gamer positive right Mm-hmm. trying to be positive dude my doctor says to do it or else just everything's gonna be a fucking black hole nightmare sidebar you haven't gone to the doctor i yet. haven't gone to any he's doctor. full of shit i just made up a doctor he did <laughs> dr proctor <laughs> oh how did you know <laughs> actually it's mr fister uh so the first one on here esports sensation sonic fox donated a portion of his winnings to his opponent damn that's a headline there. Dominic McLean, known throughout the fighting game community as Sonic Fox, came out on top as the winner of the Injustice 2 Pro Series Grand Finals, earning himself $40,000. $10,000 of that prize went to opponent Curtis Rewind McCall, whose father underwent surgery for his stage 3 cancer a day before the Pro Series. Sonic Fox told Kotaku, quote, I don't do this for the money. Rewind is one of my good friends, one of my training partners, and I'm so very happy to have shared the stage with him, end quote. That's awesome. That is pretty fucking awesome thing. Mm. You don't, you don't, you just don't hear about that, you know, day to day. So I feel like it's important that we, you know, talk about that. We're like, yo, this dude did something good because mm-hmm. everyone seems to have a tendency to kind of focus on like the negative aspects of certain things, mm-hmm. especially in these communities that, you know internal strife well, I, I remember in. when he won that tournament over the summer and people were like trying to bash him for one reason or another but like yeah 
it's just like i don't know there's a thing called sportsmanship and good conduct and whether you win or you lose i think this dude just embodies like that good in in people and competitors Mm -hmm. like he could be a dick but no he's really cool (laughs) no yeah that's that's a leadership quality we also got another cool event that's happening this one is happening in fallout veteran fallout 76 players are helping newcomers by pretending to be npcs Hmm. so patricia hernandez via the verge wrote about this uh about a youtuber named many a true nerd who's welcoming new players with a camp specifically built for them. She wrote, quote, Anyone who walks by this his camp gets offered free bespoke weapons, armor, and even free ammo. It's wonderful, end quote. She also mentioned that, quote, Other Fallout veterans like Reddit user OmniPsycho are welcoming new players by building communities where people can meet and group up, end quote. So Todd Howard may have created an unforgiving survival game, but these post-nuclear heroes are making the wasteland a little friendlier. That's really cool. That is pretty cool. We've been getting down on some Fallout 76. We've been getting down pretty hard in Fallout 76. You a lot harder than me, though. Yeah, yesterday I just went on a fucking wasteland bender. Mm -mm. Woke up and I, again, pantless. That's been the theme of this episode. But I've come across some of these, like, player NPCs and just interacted with them here and there. And it's it's fun, like, having them emote at you or, like, you know, offer you things or help you do a mission. And then they kind of just go on their (laughs) way. And I'm like... I like that sort of stuff. I haven't seen too many like aggressive, like toxic players yet. No, or same people here. just PVPing me for the fuck of it. No, we I... were actually those people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well that was different. That was a fucking event that was going on where you got to protect like this warehouse, mm-hmm. and apparently us just walking in while they were defending it meant to them that we were aggressors. Mm-hmm. So they took the first shot. I want to point that out. They took the first shot, and I was like, sure, why not? And I murk that fool. Yeah. Okay. No, we did murk them. We murked right. them pretty good, but then they revenge killed us. They did revenge because yeah, we tried us. to take their base because you can like, <laughs> make people's bases and make it your own. Well, at that point, it was like fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been getting into it a bit. I wanted to get kind of like your overall impressions because, like, I played the beta. I talked about that. Mm-hmm. You bought the baseline game, which was somehow released like a day early. Yeah, I don't know what happened on Bethesda's yeah. end, but they ended up, it was supposed to come out on the 14th, like, they went live with it on the 13th. Yeah, Todd leaned his elbow on the fucking launch switch, and Whoops. just like, oh, Well, sure. I guess here we are. Sure, the servers are live. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, also play Elder Scrolls Legends. <laughs> but, no, um, I haven't put nearly as much time into it as yeah. you have. I bought it for myself, and I bought uh, my friend Dave a copy, because it was a birthday present. What a sweet boy. You know, I tried. He bought me Monster yeah. Hunter World back in January for my birthday, so I wanted a game we could play together, and we could play with you as well so i like that you brought up dave because this is an interesting case study that i was thinking about uh, our interactions as a group or as the reformed soul skaters from Mm -hmm. our destiny two days we skate for fun (laughs) we skate for fun um so there were certain things that i noticed was like yeah that's kind of rough in an online multiplayer game one of those things is waiting for your teammates to fucking like go through their inventory Mm -hmm. restock themselves drink because your fucking wasteland is the thirstiest motherfucker ever mm-hmm. every two steps he's like oh, I'm dehydrated or i'm hungry <laughs> i'm hungry i need to eat some fucking rad roaches real mm-hmm. quick so th- that's kind of a rough thing where it's like especially so the way that the mission structure is too it's a lot of just fetch quest and go to a terminal and read some very specific information i hate that shit yeah so the narrative is very like bare bones it has you just going from point a to point b but like they give you these like hollow tapes that they expect you to listen to and it's really hard to like pay attention to it when you're talking to your friends in the chat so like a lot of the contextual story stuff that they want to give you on the fly that's supposed to serve you you don't really take in the same way you would in like a single player experience and it's not presented in a way that means as much to me Right, and I feel like, for some reason, despite the whole goal being Fallout 4, but with multiplayer, 
player. Mm-hmm. They have forgotten like the, what they were setting out to do because the hollow tapes, for instance, are fucking forever. It is totally not cognizant of the fact that hey, players are going to be in a party chat like we were talking to each other, mm-hmm. and also not recognizing that somebody else just launched a hollow tape because you can only hear it through like your game. Mm-hmm. So they're just talking. About, I remember that that happening. We're just like, okay, this fucking. 10 minute hollow tape narrative it went on for quite some time yeah and then and then the 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 fetch quest where you all each have to turn in at a terminal rather than like one person doing it for the whole group oh that yeah. is irritating it's very very like div- division-esque where you have to wait your turn to like use something that everybody else can use right it makes <laughs> it just makes the game feel like really disconnected or it's like two games that were literally stitched together where it's like here's a single player game mm-hmm. but it also had to strip out some of the life of the single player nature of itself to accommodate the online mm-hmm. and vice versa the online is kind of stymied by the game still trying to have a lore yeah <laughs> you know it, it's it's just like this fucking collision of ideas that don't mesh together i i would be interested to see because i never played um iso elder scrolls online so i don't know how that one played out if maybe that was more of a serviceable like online like elder scrolls experience like out the gate right. or if that took time to develop because like this one i just it's yeah it's a mishmash of an idea some of them aren't as well executed as others but i imagine with time and through fan feedback like over the course of the next year or two it'll become something more enjoyable more accessible and is that the thing? Do we need to start putting warnings on these service game boxes and just be like, hey, the game that you buy at release is going to be drastically different six months down the line because we're going to listen to the fact that uh, it's broken and all these things don't work. And so we're going to have to have this whole recombobulation mm-hmm. because that's just how service games are. Like, I mean, I, yeah, it's a very different story than Fallout 4 where like, yeah. Yeah, that base game is still safe for patches here mm-hmm. and there, which kind of, you know create better gameplay textures and experiences here and there it's different than like oh we're gonna basically change mission structures or how you interplay right. with the world or do this or that like it's the way they handle game services is on a different tier right so right. like i feel like if like you went back to fallout 4 it's more or less the same right it's more or less the same game that i fucking remember playing yeah. just uh, like it doesn't crash as much mm-hmm. oh todd this game todd, oh todd 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 yesterday alone <laughs> dog i had five boots five fucking boots out of the fucking mm-hmm. server and two system crashes two wide scale my system is goddamn frozen todd i can't do anything oh my god todd moments occurred all in the same like, day i get that like a lot of people are probably playing this right now we're probably throttling the servers with like nuke I, launches and all I, this other stuff but like i know but it's like todd i signed up for the bugs i know how you do bethesda mm-hmm. some of them are funny some of them are not yeah the weird but, head responding thing. But at least have the fucking buggy game work. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we need to be able to play it. <laughs> right. I've had so many weird instances like that where, like, uh, waypoints aren't in the right place. Mm-hmm. Or there's so many waypoints that it gets fucking confusing on my map to figure out what the fuck uh, is what. The on-screen, like, mission UI is really bad. Because, yeah. like, every time you pick up a mission, it doesn't, like, compartmentalize them. It stacks them. Gee, like, <laughs> like you- on, on your right side of the screen, I have, like, seven missions going. I'm like... Uh, so you literally have to go into your menu and turn them un- off, untrack them, and manage it how you want to, just to make life make sense mm-hmm. again out there in the wasteland. But 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 but, I still like the game. There's yeah. something that's still drawing me back into it. Maybe it's the familiarity of the Fallout universe because mm-hmm. I certainly appreciate that. Maybe it's the variances of the fact that this is a more woodsy, colorful version of the Fallout. Oh, it's games. very very bright and illustrious, and like it seems full life for 
the bombs right. only had been dropped like 20 years prior. Like, it doesn't seem like a, a, a wasteland. Like, And another interesting thing to note is because that the narrative has been backpedaled, because there's no NPCs, now everything's fucking holotapes and notes on dead people, mm-hmm. I find myself seeking those emergent moments more often. I ran into an instance where there was this kind of um, little campsite shit going on. Where mm-hmm. there, what, what do you call it? Just like a camping site? Like a campground, yeah. And it had some log cabins and whatnot. And when I go in, I'm fighting some ghouls that show up immediately. Mm-hmm. Sure. Scorchers. Scorchers. You've, I just call them ghouls anyway. Fuck you, Todd. I'm going to call them ghouls. <laughs> um, and I uh, suddenly it feels like a tremor is going on. Mm-hmm. And then I hear this blood-curdling scream in the distance. And I'm like, what the fuck was that? And I look for like something trying to chase me down or something showing up or God forbid the Mothman. Mm-hmm. And I saw the Mothman. I know you did. We'll get to that. So tell me about that right after this. <laughs> um, and I'm like, okay, whatever. And it happens a few more times. And I'm like, this is fucking weird. And then I read like a uh, like a note or or I hear a holotape talking about that, which is like, dude, they're screaming at night and the earth is shaking and I don't know what the fuck we're getting attacked all the time. And I'm like, this is so weird. That's insane. I was like, is this place haunted? And then I, I go a little further and I see this treehouse situation and I'm just like, oh, okay, that's not a player treehouse because it looks super deliberate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I walk up it and there's this terminal that literally has it where. Um, you can press a button to make a ghoul show up. You can press a button to make that scream happen. You can press a button to make the earth shake. And I was just like, oh, fuck. But it was so cool running into this. It was like, it's a lie. It has its own story. There's that visual storytelling that well, it's this interesting game needs too, more Because that's like a multiplayer component that we're yeah. fucking with. That they gave like a single player lore tie-in with. Yeah. That's neat. Isn't it neat? And the, yeah. I find myself just drawn in by those moments more so than like this hackneyed a robot's going to issue commands to me and give me a to b missions i'm gonna be honest that part's kind of lame like when they say hey there weren't going to be any npcs in the game i didn't realize that there were gonna be so many fucking robots dealing out like doldrum type quests (laughs) but like i'm still pretty early on in the game i'm i really haven't plugged away at it as much as i want i've probably spent like five to ten hours we we will play way more today yeah if we even can, our, our idea is to play it together and stream it. God spare us. You know, hopefully we can get through at least an hour. <laughs> the grid is going to go down. <laughs> Xfinity is going to have to come out here. Um, but I, I'm 50-50 on it. I think I have my frustrations with it. The first night I played, it crashed on me like when I was just idling. Like mm-hmm. I made my character. I was still in the vault. I was about to go into the wasteland and like join you and Dave and have our fucking wastelander adventures. Fall out boys. We were going to be. And I, I think I went to go grab a drink of water. I came back. The game crashed. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm going to load my file and my character stuff. And I start it in the opening titles. And I'm like, what? Yeah, right? I was like, like I spent fuck? like 30 minutes like dicking around the in the, the vault itself and just taking it in and being like, oh, yeah, Fallout, I love this. Only to be like, oh, I have to do it all over again? Like, where was the autosave feature? Damn, you're really feeling yourself if you're in the vault for 30 minutes. Like, it, like I was in there for like four minutes. I know, you're gone. like, you, you told me, you're like, yeah, you get out of the vault real fast. And I'm like, nah, dude, I was just exploring and taking it in because like... That's user error. <laughs> user, yeah. <laughs> I, I said to you before, like, there's nothing like a release mm-hmm. of a Fallout game for me. It's very special and unique. And, like, my time with it, I just, I enjoy being back in those worlds and putting back on that Wastelander skin. Right. You, and, need, you need that Toddy Howard release sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I think I, I like it for the most part. I like a lot of the contextual storytelling. The narrative isn't there for me. And to be honest, I'm going to say it, Fallout 3, Fallout 4, people who say those stories are good. 
you're kind of wrong. Like oh, those shit. stories are kind of whatever, dude. Also, I, I we, think can we can we also mention the mission structure sucks and it's something out of two thousand and three. Well, yeah, a lot of it's really like point A to point A, B, hit X, mission's done. Like they they're not very in depth. Press a button, shoot some ghouls. Press yeah. a button, shoot some ghouls. Go outside. Press a button, shoot some ghouls. Like there is good narrative and lore in the side quests in three and four for sure. Like I think it's more in like the side quests and like off the beaten path stories mm-hmm. that they tell you or, and how the world reacts to you. Cause a lot of it is like player based and choice based. Like people react to you accordingly. This has a different bent because you're not interacting with NPCs. You don't have dialogue options. It's just how you interact with the world and what you do with it, you know? Yeah. So, and there, there's something in there that could be potentially great yeah. or really tedious and not baked out. I feel like this game straddles the line between two, but we're, we're too goddamn early to make that fucking final, I final think, Mothman foot down on the ground. I think I'm kind of straddling some of the tedium, although I am very still intrigued and I want to yeah. play more with it. Like the, it has its systems, much like Red Dead does. Like it requires you to manage a lot, like your radiation levels, it, eating drinking oh uh, God, the crafting yeah. system having to be aware yeah. of like building camp and making sure it's not in a radiation zone or fortifying it for defense so other people you know can't come across you and like oh god forbid i want to fast travel but i can't because i'm dehydrated it's just there's so many things like second to second you have to be very mindful of or like i'm picking up everything because i know i can use this for crafting and resources but i'm over encumbered right know? so it's just like I think once I learn it all and I get it under my thumbs quickly, it'll be easier to manage. But I, at the moment where I'm at, I'm still struggling with a lot of it. Yeah, it feels like a <laughs> juggling act, definitely, where it's just awkward shapes in your hands. Because mm-hmm. it's like, oh shit, the game really relies on the crafting element, but there's like literally one component, aluminum, that I can't fucking find all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing preventing me from crafting yeah. this one device. And you can tag it, but it's like, God forbid that I mm-hmm. actually find it somewhere that makes sense. I find it in a goddamn, like, on the beach somewhere. Like, yeah, somewhere random. Yeah, uh, we will see. I like it, and I also don't like it, but I like it, and I feel like people people are immediately making their you know decision. Mm-hmm. A lot and of people have been very hard on it. Super, yeah, fucking review bombing the game. And Jim shit. Sterling fucking just tore it apart. Oh my god! But the thing is, all of his criticisms, fucking fair. No, it's fair. Fucking fair. I see him too, but I just. I want to keep on scratching at the yeah. surface until I get to that Mothman-y core. What'd he look like, by the way? Uh, he looked like a Venonat. Was he beautiful? Uh, so I was doing like a mission. I was like kind of doing a little tiny side quest in the first like five hours or so. And I turn around and there he is just fucking this black shadow with big red eyes. And it said level 30 above it. And I was oh, listening God. to like my fucking like <laughs> Pip-Boy radio. And I was like, oh mm-hmm. shit. Okay, I'll approach it. And before I could even like say anything quippy or like record it, dude already had vanished like in an upward column of like smoke and dust and it was gone. I was like, oh, okay. It was just a really unique and interesting sighting. And I'm excited for more stuff like that in this game because I've had two different experiences so far. My single player experiences have been very unique like that, very much like how I interact with Fallout 3 and Fallout 4. I'm just like soaking in the world and exploring and doing my own thing. And then I have the world that I straddle with you and Dave where we're actually like out there doing PvP shit or working together or teaching each other the systems in the game. And I think it's two worlds that I got to learn how to just enjoy simultaneously, you know? Yeah, I think... I. I I definitely felt that because I played a lot by myself yesterday and I was getting that sense of like, it feels like a little bit of a different game than like some of my goals and intentions. But then again, I I feel like I get more done even though I'm lonely. But when I'm in a party, the dicking around element is so strong. And it's so much fun to just dick around and like build each other's houses and like. Uh, Dude, I have a three story house that I call the save room. Oh, it's, it's gotta be beautiful. It doesn't have very many walls, but it has many stairs. It goes right up into the sky. Have you figured out doors? 
I have. I have okay. a beautiful okay. door up there, actually. Nice. Yeah, I actually use the in-game uh, <laughs> atom spender to get a good door. It's red. Nice. It's red. It's great. It's very cool. I want to keep playing. I want us to get to raid missions. I want to fight giant monsters and bosses. That's what I want, man. I want it to be like fucking Monster Island up in that shit. And I keep on seeing videos of fucking like pterodons made of garbage fighting people i want to do that there was legit this video where a bunch of players like launched a nuke and they were like level 50 and they were fighting like level 90 like dragons oh and monsters. i was like what came out of that nuclear fissure holy shit i want it yeah. i want it i want it i want it see that's so, that's the fallout that i want to talk about mm-hmm. next next time we fucking record i want to talk about the insane monster fight fall no for sure we're gonna get really hard into that game and we're gonna have more impressions as the weeks go on it's going to grow, 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 grow. So we got kind of top news on here. Let me reference what the last news item was. It was a number. It was a number. It was a number five. Okay, we're going to number six. It was number six, the last one. Yeah. Yeah. So this would be number seven. No, this one's number six. No, it's number seven. Oh, you're right. It's number seven. I got you. <laughs> it doesn't matter. We're doing top news. Just start with number one. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got some top news here. This is the shit that's really percolating the gamers out there. Number one. Actually, you know what? We haven't done it in a while. Hmm. I'm going to take you for a ride! That's right, everybody. It's the Capcom Capcast, the only official, unofficial Capcom podcast within a podcast that Capcom doesn't know about. Wait, you said two or more items usually, right? I like know, that's the qualifier for I know, that's Capcom a qualifier, Capcast. but it's a, it's a big one. Listen, I'll let you do it. You let me do it? I did, guys, I did say I was going to buy him a Capcom captain hat. Yeah, <laughs> like please. A, a giant fishing captain hat. Fuck. So do it. Take me on a ride. I'm taking you on a ride. Number one on here. An animated series based on Devil May Cry is happening, and it's made by that Castlevania guy. Oh, and it's going to cross over with Castlevania because fuck yeah. I didn't, I didn't know about that until I read this. Yup. That's cool. So, Adi Shankor, the executive producer behind Netflix's whip-cracking hit, Castlevania, is developing the series based on Capcom's 17-year-old franchise. In an exclusive with IGN, Shankar said he, quote, acquired these rights myself so the jabronis in Hollywood don't fuck this one up, too. And quote. <laughs> that's awesome. That's the best quote ever. Uh, Shankar says he netted this deal because of the success of Castlevania and the fans who have supported the show. Quote, I wouldn't have a job if it wasn't for the fans. End quote. There's no word on an episode count or where the show will be distributed slash streamed. But Devil May Cry will cross over with Castlevania in some fashion in a self-proclaimed bootleg multiverse. Now, before this announcement, it was rumored Shankar was uh, working to adapt The Legend of Zelda, but by his generous use of the word jabroni, I would say Dante is a better fit for the producer. (laughs) So the line, he acquired these rights myself so the jabronis in Hollywood don't fuck this one up too. I want to see him like this dark night of like rights acquisitions. Like, you know how THQ Nordic is like buying up all these studios? I want to see him secure all these deals for like adaptations that he wants to do justice for do it like, <laughs> do it do it too he should be he's like the anti uva bowl or what was, you remember uva bowl from back Who? in the day he fucking directed <laughs> all of these horrible c-rate adaptations of video game movies including alone in the dark okay <laughs> starring christian slater uh the original house of the dead film oh. uh he did blood rain he did fucking um shit uh postal a game or sorry the movie po- based on the game postal yeah, that one's a cringer. Let me tell you what. The shit you know sometimes just baffles me. Like, Doesn't how really? do you have like mental space for that? Dude, people know about this guy because he ended up. Um, so he had a lot of detractors in games media, mm-hmm. and 
he uh, he apparently had a boxing background and he says like whoever calls me like a motherfucker online i i want you to duke it out in the ring with me (laughs) (laughs) and somebody did i forgot who it was but he ended up getting his shit kicked in uh uva bowl won wow yeah fucking beat up a games journalist god damn it (laughs) could you imagine if we still did that like we beat up like fucking uh patrick klebix or jason Triers over like disputes what the fucking creator of the quiet man (laughs) goes toe-to-toe with patrick klebix he would go down quietly <laughs> he would okay so Adi Shankur he should do more 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 mm. Castlevania is one of the best adaptations of a video yeah. game I've ever seen I think every episode we talk about him and that adaptation and how adaptations deserve better they deserve what he does right I so DMC already had an animated adaptation oh, really? funny enough it was an anime mm-hmm. uh, that got you know I want to say ported, but it was just like imported out here as well. Okay. It wasn't that good. It was it had a good style, but it was just like strange and didn't really fit the tone of the games. Was it either. dubbed? Yeah, it was dubbed. Hmm. Um no, no, they actually had uh Ruben Langdon come back and do Dante and all okay. that shit. There there's an English dub, yeah. Okay. Um that's what you said. You said was it dubbed? Yeah. Fuck. That's what I asked you. <laughs> Subs versus dubs, man. Damn it. That's okay. So but this seems cooler because this guy has way more style. But I will say you need to get a good fucking writer for that project, because mm-hmm. Castlevania wouldn't be half as good if it didn't have Warren Ellis behind the scenes, okay? Yeah, I think you need a Warren Ellis type to kind of capture the dialogue sure. and attitude of Dante and, and Virgil and that cast of characters. How do you think it's going to cross over of Castlevania? Oh, I have no fucking clue. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I was actually going to ask you that, because I don't... You guys know I don't play Devil May Cry. This is actually, like, I'm not super interested in this. Um, I might watch to kind of onboard and be like, yeah, what is Devil May Cry okay. about? Tonally, it makes sense, because Dante just is like a demon hunter. He fights demons, mm-hmm. and he does it with style. That's not too far off from Trevor Belmont, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I feel like there might be some sort of, like, you know army of darkness time portal that he jumps into and dante's just you know fucking up some shit in castlevania real quick i think how it's gonna happen Hmm. they're gonna do it in the way that like uh marvel has launched like netflix shows um with the you know so like how the punisher was on season two of the daredevil and then he did his own thing i can imagine like you know trevor doing his thing and then fucking along comes dante and then from there that's (laughs) like okay we've introduced dante now here's his own series I would love to see Alucard and and Trevor in modern day in Dante's world. Oh, that'd be cool. That would be cool too. Yeah, get some get some fucking because I love time travel comedy, man. Okay, that's my favorite kind of comedy. Villains head, man. People love it. There you go. Let, I do. I love it still. Let me ask you: Is there one crucial yeah. thing that needs to be in this series? Like any one thing that is defining for Devil May Cry that needs to be present? Uh, industrial metal. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Because that's what the soundtrack is made up of: <laughs> of awful, awful industrial. <laughs> i don't know go fucking nuts don't even like try to do the story of the games just capture the tone capture the attitude that's exactly what they did with castlevania and go fucking nuts okay yeah because castlevania isn't very like adherent to any one sort of storyline from the games it's kind of like a mishmash of everything and the way they do their like symphony of the night nods or castlevania three nods it's very tasteful it is it is and i feel like that's the right blender that you do that satisfies fans but still tells a coherent interesting story Mm -hmm. without being beholden to the fucking plot for plot beats of some game that came out in 1989 Mm -hmm. don't do that okay this is a good idea this is a good idea plus dmc 
Never had a great story to begin with. So go fucking nuts on your shit. Fair. Next one on here, Daniel. It's a congratulatory thing, a good thing. Uh, Haidetaka Miyazaki has been awarded... Did I get that right? Yeah. (laughs) Haidetaka Miyazaki has been awarded the Golden Joysticks Lifetime Achievement Award. Now, what's the Golden Joysticks Award, you say? Well, Wikipedia told me it's the second oldest video game award ceremony, having begun in 1983. Also known as the People's Gaming Awards because anyone can vote online. We didn't. I'm sorry. Mm-mm. It was it was up to me to let you know. <laughs> Who's Haidetaka Miyazaki, you ask? Well, he is the president of From Software, and he is the alpha and omega of the Soulsborne genre, having developed Dark Souls and Bloodborne. Whew, Bloodborne. He has brought us a combination of sweet misery and joy, sort of like the Cenobites from the Hellraiser movies. <laughs> this tidbit hit me in the feels, dude. The award was presented by Steve Jackson and Ian Livingstone, creators of the fighting fantasy books that Miyazaki says inspired him to get into game and in- game design. Damn, could you imagine, dude? Fucking, that's like me making a movie and Spielberg coming out and giving me a fucking award because my fucking Kong versus Kong versus other Kongs landed an Oscar, yeah. you know? I, I, that's, that's really cool. Be a big moment. Anyway, actually, my idea was Godzilla versus King Kongs. Mm-hmm. So it's an endless supply of Kongs that fight Godzilla. I feel like we can really go somewhere, but we have to talk to Legendary about the rights. Sure. Okay. Thank you. Kotaka noted that his acceptance speech spoke to the jolly cooperation his games are known for, as he thanked his family, studio, and fans for their support. Here's a quote via his translator. <clears throat> quote, It's thanks to you, all the players, that I've been able to carry on making games with the one simple goal of making games that are interesting. And I'm so glad to have been able to make games in these exciting times with all of you. End quote. Good man. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. He definitely has crafted his own genre and style of games that has now being hailed as like the get good or like one of the hardest styling of games you could pick up and master. And like when people look at you and you say like, yeah, I've played Bloodborne or I beat Dark Souls, they're like, wow, you must be really good at gaming. Like he's <laughs> created this sort of niche style that's very challenging and that it speaks to us because we, we've been playing games all our life. Like we like things that challenge us just as like we like things that are fun or goofy. I don't know. His legacy has definitely been felt because now people try and ape his style in everything they do. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I think we can see some very interesting things coming down the road of people making souls likes and souls borns mm-hmm. and whatnot. Well, we see it a lot in like the indie space, you know, with mm-hmm. your salt and sanctuaries or your, oh, uh, what's the other one? I fucking forget. Hell, Cat- even Hollow Knight's kind of uh, Hollow inspired Knight. by Dark Souls games. Yeah, like Chasm. Um, what's the one that came out? Oh, fuck, it had dead in the name. Oh, oh, Death's Gambit. Death's Gambit. Thank that you. is exactly yeah. Dark Souls, yep. but 2D. Yeah, for sure. I, 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 he makes me smile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like he cares about his shit and he just wants to make interesting stuff. And I think he also brings to light components or structure in game design that we haven't seen in many years mm-hmm. for instance in dark souls games it forces you to learn the environment and enemy patterns as much as anything else mm-hmm. and it doesn't just like reward you for guns ablazing. like you know it reminds you that older games back in the day were so deliberate that you had to learn every aspect of well, it like mario taught, games and all that they taught you gaming discipline within the parameters that they presented you right and it's <laughs> like he's kind of just reteaching us mm-hmm. through the generations and i i, I want to see visionaries like this like every every so often that just understands gaming history and is able to bring it back into the forefront in a refreshing different way mm-hmm. miyazaki has definitely nailed that yeah when i think of recent like game devs or like types of games that i've got into his titles have stood out the most to me uh, for me it's cliffy b 
Holy shit. Lawbreaker! Get out of here. All right, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this one. We're talking about the big publishers now, yeah, buddy. Two big kind of announcements, rumors, murmurings this week. Oh, the first big old rumor on here is Microsoft is making a discless Xbox One. Theron.com. Who? Theron. What is that? The fuck is a Theron? Anyway, they're. Theron. <laughs> <laughs> has reported that Microsoft plans on releasing a discless version of the Xbox One S in 2019. This isn't to be confused with the Big M Scarlet family of next gen devices expected in 2020. No, these are Xbox Ones without a disk drive. Why would gamers sacrifice the gentle hum of a disk drive and the comforting plastic smell of their physical media? Well, the biggest benefit would be a lower price tag. A 1TB Xbox One S is currently $299.99. This diskless console is said to be about $200 or less. That's a value proposition right yeah, there, buddy. That's like the most attractive point about all of this. Mm, you're attractive. Hmm. Therot.com also says Microsoft will launch a disk-to-digital program where Xbox gamers are invited to bring their physical games to participating retailers and turn those suckers in for digital vouchers. Microsoft also intends to release a revised Xbox One S SKU with a disk drive, cognizant of the fact that many consumers may feel alienated by a digital-only console. This could be why, according to Therot's article, they haven't decided whether or not the Scarlet will go driveless. The author of this report, Brad Sams, notes that while he heard this device is, quote, well on its path to production, end quote, Microsoft could cancel it at any time. Keep that in mind if they do, so we don't all look like liars talking about this shit. <laughs> okay. And this rumor is given a lot of credence due to Microsoft's hard initiative of streaming services and digital media this generation. Xbox Game Pass was a huge centerfold for their XO event last weekend. While there is huge buzz about Game Pass, it is interesting to see where it stands against other game streaming subscription. As it stands, annual subscriptions for Game Pass and PS Now will run you $100. Got some numbers and statistics as pulled by Daniel here. Yep. According to a November 2018 report from Super Data, total subscription revenue for quarter three is at 273 million okay microsoft surprisingly only owns 15 percent of that however ps now is sitting at 52 percent of the total revenue that doesn't make any sense daniel no it doesn't it doesn't make any sense i feel like nobody's even talking about nobody talks now. about now yeah. are they counting like the one week canceled subscriptions <laughs> like, no they're counting like total revenue and, and money spent on this it. is nuts anyway ea access holds 16 percent origins access premier nine percent and origins access eight percent so EA's at the the mm. bottom of the totem pole. Yeah, <laughs> as always. Well, not so. even actually between the because those are all EA housed um, subscriptions. Right. Um, mm-hmm. They own more than Xbox does, and that that's crazy. Gotcha. So these are not mutually exclusive ideas. <laughs> this digital only future future, and how do you shepherd in a digital only future, Daniel? You fucking create a device that doesn't give you an option. <laughs> <laughs> but like you said, it's an attractive price point. Mm-hmm. I even stopped a second. I was like, I, I like physical media, but with PS plus, I've been kind of conditioned to be like, okay with like, Hey, this game's a value right now. It's cheaper mm-hmm. with PS plus. I don't mind downloading. I don't need a physical cause I'm getting the best value right here. Xbox's job is to continue to like assert that position and go, well, no, you can get like a, a fucking box for 180 bucks. Mm-hmm. No sweat. That's cheaper than the fucking phone you have in your pocket. And if you jump on top of the uh, Xbox Game Pass pres- the subscription, you don't even have to worry about getting games. We'll feed you that content. Mm-hmm. That actually sounds kind of good. 
You know, like that, that doesn't sound terrible and it is going to help people to have this like extra skew, help people kind of maybe make that leap, you know, where especially if they're a gamer that's like, hey, I mainly do PS4, but there's a few exclusives. <laughs> there's a few exclusives on Xbox that interest me. Let me go ahead and leap for this cheaper kind of complimentary set. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you think? Like, it's not a terrible idea. No, I think it's a it's a really great idea. Actually, my only thing is like, do you think the messaging is a little weird? Like, do you think, like, a casual gamer can come by and pick up this console and understand what it represents against, like, traditional hardware systems? Like, to be like, oh, it's a digital streaming machine. But also, what's this Xbox One? What's this Xbox One S? What's the One X? I feel like they have so many, like, iterative consoles on top of the Xbox One family right now that this might be confusing for some people. Maybe. I'm actually, I would be interested to see, like, who is this actually going to land with? Yeah. People that totally understand the messaging, like, like say, for instance, like, hey, I view it as something that might be complementary to my gaming experience, mm-hmm. not my main, my main shit, you know? Whereas another person, if they're just walking into the Xbox Fold because it's, hey, I'm going to leap into this hardware generation. Mm-hmm. Oh, fuck. We got the Xbox One S. It's got a disk drive. We got the Xbox One s without a disk drive and then we have the x what the fuck is going exactly so i feel like it's like one more iteration for this generation for them that just it's cool don't get me wrong we could understand it for what it is but it might not be able to speak to every casual consumer no but i feel like if if they land that messaging it's going to push it's going to push uh, consumers in the direction that big publishers have been wanting you know they want to cut out retail. They do. They want to cut out retail. They want to cut out that whole ecosystem and they can drive down costs and they can drive down overhead by making people kind of engage with like, hey, get used to streaming and mm-hmm. and downloading your media because it's going to be cheaper. It's going to be a better value for you in the long run. And this is like a move to get it there while mm. still not trying to alienate your partners by having that, you know, maybe the Scarlet's come out with a disk drive and that's yeah. how you keep them in the flow and da 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 you know, while you have this tiny little usurper, this $200 usurper mm-hmm. growing the mindshare of, hey, people being okay with digital only. Well, I think it's smart. I got to give Xbox a lot of credit because while they might be behind in exclusivity, their hardware decisions and their stream only initiatives are kind of like groundbreaking in the console space. Mm-hmm. They're really trailblazing right here. And this thing could take off and it could make like Sony kind of turn their head and be like, we need something kind of similar. We need a slim PlayStation that you can only stream like, you know, PlayStation exclusives on or whatever. We were getting there eventually. Right. I, I think I'm still of the mind where it's like, well, what is the point of this? So I'm going to buy a $200 machine and get a $100 subscription on top of that. Mm-hmm. And then I don't get to keep my games. I just get to kind of stream them here and there. Like, mm. you know, the imprint. You of don't my, get to keep your movies on Netflix. You know what I mean? That's true. To like that same regard. I guess it was sort of a, a it was a gradual transition with Netflix. Where yeah. I'm like, yeah, I don't need to go buy it, movies anymore unless like it's not on there. Um, and it kind of just it became normalized. Where I'm like, yeah, I'm just streaming whatever I watch anyway i I don't fight that hard for movies that i can't see now i'm just kind of like well maybe eventually one of these three streaming services will give me what i want whether it's hulu or amazon or this or that or maybe it'll come to redbox so like Uh yeah i guess we kind of adapted to that time Mm -hmm. if i was part of the xbox family i think yeah i would gradually do the same thing here but i'm not like i'm more Mm -hmm. of a you know i'm a sony pony i like my playstation games i like my nintendo stuff like outside of that Xbox really hasn't spoken to me. I think I think we've escalated the Sony cucks. I think we're Sony, we're Sony cucks. Sony cuck as, boys. As people on Twitter have said, but you know, yeah. there's something cool though about the idea that you can take your physical media 
and just strip the raw data from it and then stream it only like after that yeah it's an interesting thing it's very reminiscent of how they did backwards compatibility with 360 games Mm -hmm. where they're essentially saying like if you have the disc we've gone through the the whole fucking rigmarole of getting the rights for this game Mm -hmm. having a downloadable version of this game kind of an emulation of this game and letting you just plug it in and we'll have like if it's like an online game it still has online access and Mm -hmm. servers you know and all this shit and i'm just like they're giving that to people for free. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you can buy Black Ops for $20 off of Xbox, or I can go to GameStop and get it for, like, fucking, like, mm-hmm. seven bucks or whatever the fuck it is now and enjoy that shit for that. That's a hell of a value that they went out of their way for something that doesn't necessarily translate to monetization. Mm-hmm. They did it because it was the right thing to do for gamers. I pay attention to choices like that. I think we all do. And I want Sony to pay attention to choices like that when they make their consoles. Cause, well, cause, you're doing the exact opposite thing. Right. We're kind of getting burned by their uh, classic collections or their emulation yeah. processes where it's like Xbox, granted, it's not what we want from a gaming ecosystem, but they're doing it. They're doing it. And they're going out of their way to do it. And, you know, this messaging with like a digital only console. I So imagine this. I can't speak to the the vast majority of consumers out there and the, the different levels of people that might be attracted to this set. But mm-hmm. I imagine what if they did this to the Scarlet? What if they decided that we're going to have a SKU that's like, you know, the fully baked Xbox 2 experience with discs, physical media, everything that you want. Mm-hmm. We're also going to have this other SKU. It's cheaper. Maybe the memory is a little bit less, but or maybe the memory is a little bit more to accommodate for the fact that it doesn't have a disk drive, and you're going to download games directly to that. And imagine if I, you know, I'm a PlayStation gamer right Mm -hmm. now, this generation. I get the PS5, fully baked, disk drive, all all the bells and whistles, Mm -hmm. but I still am kind of attracted by some of these Xbox exclusives. I might venture to say that, yeah, I might pick up the Scarlet if there was a cheaper SKU Mm -hmm. that... Basically, the only difference is, oh, I download my games, whatever. I can I can do that if I treat it as my exclusive machine. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, I might do that because Xbox made a good argument in my mind for how I game and engage with that ecosystem. No, I can't argue with that. Yeah, I'm like, that might be fine. I, can't, I don't hate this move. They're no. a savvy fucking company. They are. I mean, granted, it is a rumor at this point, but there's a lot of credence to the rumor that they're leaning towards this and it'll probably happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Now, you want to talk about something that definitely will happen, or I should say won't happen? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Last top news on the list here. For the first time in 24 years, Sony is skipping E3. That's, that's crazy. We, <laughs> we're we losing out on PSX this year. They pulled yeah. out of that. They're saying, yeah. we're not going to do it. We'll return next yeah. year. And now to pull out of E3. Ooh, there's there's a lot to talk about here. Let's run through it really quick and we'll get into it. So the Entertainment Software Association, or the ESA, confirmed that the publisher would not be attending E3 2019. Sony, and more appropriately, the PlayStation brand, has had a major presence at the Electronic Entertainment Expo since the mid-90s. Actually, since its start. Mm -hmm. The news was confirmed by the ESA in an announcement promoting next year's Los Angeles Expo. Sony released a statement explaining their absence, quote, As the industry evolves, Sony Interactive Entertainment continues to look for inventive opportunities to engage the community. PlayStation fans mean the world to us, and we always want to innovate, think differently, and experiment with new ways to delight gamers. I love it when they say delight. As a result, we have detailed we have decided not to participate in E3 in 2019. We are exploring new and familiar ways to engage our community in 2019 and can't wait to share our plans with you. Before we move on, I want to talk about that. That's actually what has my attention the most. Yeah. What do you think that means cuz I 
I think it's kind of obvious. I think they're just going to, as opposed to doing their typical PSX December uh, demonstration, they're sure. probably going to do it mid-year or before E3 2019. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. so they're gonna, I, I, I agree. I think they're going to do a PSX, maybe or, or maybe they do an announcement event. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to announce PS5. It's going to happen mid-year. It's going to happen at its own event that they fully control the messaging and they don't have to share any fucking mind space with Xbox's announcements, uh, Nintendo's announcements, Mm -hmm. fucking Microsoft. Well, that's the same company. Uh, Everyone else's announcements. They get totality here. Do Do you think it's going to be similar to how they announced the Neo? back in like summer 2016 i think so like kind of a direct format and then they show off like here's what we plan to have on here and yeah we're probably gonna see shit like last of us 2 and death stranding Mm -hmm. have ps5 versions and then we have psx later in the year because if they plan to announce in 2019 they're gonna show this bad boy off Mm -hmm. and fucking launch it in 2020 probably end of year so they're gonna get you let you have your hands on it at Mm -hmm. playstation experience in 2019 that's what i think yeah I, I exactly think that's what's going to happen. That's exactly because what's like be. there, it makes no sense for them to fully pull out of it for any other reason. Well, the one other reason I guess would be E3 2018. They had a lot of like media feedback and pushback and fan criticisms about how they handled their conference and their demonstration and how it seemed kind of untraditional for them. Granted, mm-hmm. they brought the bangers. They brought Spider Man. They brought Death Stranding, Ghost of Tsushima, Last of Us Two. Like they brought the things people wanted to see. But they kind of like meandered away some people's times other ways. So I imagine like like when they announced that they weren't going to do PSX this year, they didn't want to repeat that, and they're not going to want to do that at E3 if they don't have anything to bring. But if they're going to do it, they're going to do it in a controlled way. They want the mind uh-huh. share. They want. this is them basically saying fuck you we don't need to announce amongst xbox or nintendo or these other people we're gonna do our own thing because people love fucking playstation yeah so previously sony opted not to hold uh psx 2018 like we talked about their annualized convention that began in 2014 actually i found out that they did an event of the same name in 20 or uh, 2003 and 2004 oh really but those don't matter Hmm. because they're not real Sean Layden explained that the publisher did not have enough titles to show off to merit the event. So I, I hope it, that's not the answer for E3 2019, where they're just like, you're not going to see some shit from us until 2020. I don't think that's what it is. I think this is a deliberate move because they're, like we're saying, they're mm-hmm. pushing towards something big and controlling it themselves. Now, the PlayStation 4 has been on market for five years and has enjoyed record sales for the company. However, Kotaku's Jason Schreier wrote, quote, Based on conversations with developers across the industry, I expect the PlayStation 5 to be released in 2020, end quote. The rumor mill has it that PS5 dev kits are already out in the wild and that it is a monster. Oh, jeez. I don't know what that means because I can't even foresee, like, we were talking about it on a previous episode. It's like, what do you want from a PS5? And I'm just like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how you go up from here. Yeah. Like, I... I'm pretty happy with it. I, I think there's quality of life things that need to happen with stuff that felt kind of tacked on during mm-hmm. this generation, like um, broadcasting from natively from your mm-hmm. console. That can be fucking increased and, and improved and yeah. turned into something that makes you really say to yourself, no, I don't need a computer to broadcast and be like, you know, professional stream quality mm-hmm. and shit, you know? That's something, that a push that I would like. And I would like for them to take a, a huge nod from Xbox and work on their backwards compatibility. They can't get away with saying you can't play every PS4 game on the PS5. They can't do it. No, I, at this point, like it's kind of unacceptable 
to not be able to play games that we've already owned. They yeah, they we we let that happen between PS3 and PS4. We cannot let that happen. I think again. I think people are going to be far less forgiving of them Hell like regardless yeah. of the exclusives that they bring because we we see the way that fucking Microsoft has been doing it. Right. And we got the cheap dole out of the PlayStation Classic and that wasn't what we wanted. I'm going to I'm going to say it right now. It's going to be a huge blow against Sony if Xbox shows up at E3 next year when mm-hmm. Sony has opted to not do it mm-hmm. and and bank on whatever the fuck event that they're trying to do if they even want to do an event. And Microsoft says on stage, "Here's the fucking Xbox 2. It is completely backwards compatible with every single Xbox One game." Oh, they would destroy the industry if that's what right. they came out with. with and the then and then Sony comes out and says like, "Oh, well, we can't promise the same." Nope. Nope, nope, mm-hmm. nope, nope. Well, because we hold the two to the same standards at this point. We yeah. consider Nintendo outside of that sort of console war ecosystem because they do their own innovations. They do their own thing. Nintendo's always been Nintendo. We go to them for their first party, um, you know, softwares and things that they do because that's just what we love from them. But when I consider Microsoft and I consider Sony, they're competing against each other. I want one to be able to have everything the other has. Right, right. Better right. and more tailored for me. Reggie's house is built in a different cul-de-sac, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. Microsoft and Sony are in the same cul-de-sac, and therefore the comparisons are as such, because we're completely looking at this guy's paint job versus, you know, what's mm-hmm. going on in Shuhei's yeah. corner of the world. We're, it's like we're comparing Hondas and Toyotas, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. But but still, uh, yeah, they, they need to pay attention to what they're doing. I... <sighs> How could this go wrong is my question. How could it go wrong? How could it go wrong for Sony? Like what what would happen if like if what about their messaging could fuck up? What could they show that will disappoint? You know? Cuz they they're banking on something for next year to be making moves like this. They have to be. They have to have some sort of first party software in the in the works, hardware in the works, deals with third party people that we don't know about yet. Mm-hmm. I mean at the moment I think, yeah, going off their E3 message previously and building up their pillar titles and making those happen and getting those in our hands in 2019, I think that's important. If they do a PSX in May and they're like, they still don't have like uh, announcements or actual dates for like Death Stranding or Blast of Us, it's like, I might not be as forgiving there. Right. They're going to fuck up with little things like that. But if they come out the gate and it's fumbly and it's not confident and they don't have the things they want, better UI better accessibility um an attractive price point an attractive price point a better cross media bar more optimization or backwards compatibility i'm gonna be like so why do i want the ps5 over the scarlet or whatever mm-hmm. is coming out next they need to nail it hard they do they and do. I, th- I think that is definitely their plan if they're putting it in their controls they're not gonna pull out of something and then not do something big with it yeah because i gotta be honest you know like i'm okay with the idea that like hey they've been thinking about and working on and obviously well obviously working on mm-hmm. the next generation but we are at the height of the tech right now. You know, we're getting some of the best games that we have ever seen this console generation just come out at rapid fire, mm-hmm. you know, at a, at a fucking clip. It's a hard sell to be like, okay, we got to do it again. <laughs> you know, you guys got to convert over to this thing, you know? Because mm-hmm. don't you think, especially if they say some, oh, they have to just really look at the past, get outside of the 2006 Sony that was like, people are going to get two jobs to afford a PS3. Get outside of the Sony that we saw recently that was like, PlayStation's the only ecosystem that you should want to play in. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 the whole Fortnite debate. Yeah. Fucking, you need to nail this. You need to nail this. You need to come out with the release dates for each of those fucking big-ass first-party games that you've been teasing for the last 15,000 years. Mm-hmm. You need to come out with this fucking system that, that makes me want to punch my mom straight in the face to get one. <laughs> okay? I'll be like, sorry, mom! <laughs> Didn't you see? 
You see how fast it downloads games? <laughs> you know? To make that argument. But mm-hmm. I do think it's probably appropriate. Like, 2020, end of 2020 is a good time to maybe yeah. release a new console. Probably like summer or fall of 2020. I would hope, you know, my kind in the back of my head would be like, give me at least a 2021. I got a backlog. <laughs> yeah, I got some stuff to work through. But if it's backwards compatible. Yeah. <laughs> but I want them to come out and say, like, at that demonstration, whatever it's going to be, if it, if it even happens the way we're thinking, because it's just speculation. We don't know. But we don't know. the quote of they're going to do something that is going to delight players and feels familiar to the community, that leads me to think it's going to be something very Sony-based, very PSX. Um, if they don't come out and we don't get to play those games and we don't get to see the hardware, it's going to be a little lackluster for them. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. Uh, and don't do what you did with the PlayStation Pro announcement. You remember that shit? It was just like, people were like, what the fuck? The messaging was all really weird about just it. Just all over the place. I mean, I think, I don't know, some, some companies can get away with like weird messaging. But yeah. I think they need to land this one hard. Do you do you think that there's a lot of credence to them pulling out of E3 and it kind of leaving a bad taste in people's mouth? Like, because I've heard a lot of people say, "Oh, fuck them for pulling out! Like, it's disrespectful to the consumers and the the gamers." Like, you know, we go to E3. It's elitist. It's I've elitist, heard that it's elitist to pull stuff. out of E3. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I laugh because. It is a fucking it's a fucking clown show where everyone shows mm-hmm. their dicks to get you to suck it by November. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, it's a big marketing thing. Like I whatever, I get it, I get it. There's there's certain partners that depend on Sony mm-hmm. during that showcase, and that that's a tough thing for them. But I I don't know. Well, you can make the argument that like there are a lot of second and third party people that depend on them. But even with their display case last year, they didn't or this year, rather, they didn't showcase much from those people. It was all first-party stuff. And if they did show, like, third-party shit, it was, like, this fucking sizzle reel thing that was mm-hmm. just like, okay, well, you know, yeah. it's kind of like a YouTube trailer happening real-time. But it's interesting, too, because, like, um, when they did the five years of PlayStation 5, or five years of PlayStation 4, they showed a lot of the sales numbers for games that were, like, you know, top five charting across the five years, and it was all third-party stuff, like Call of Duty, mm-hmm. like, stuff that you wouldn't expect. It's not first-party titles. I think at that point, if if you have any jilted lovers, uh, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, if they really are doing a huge showcase for PS5, get them on board, get those third parties on board, mm-hmm. ingrain them into the launch of PlayStation 5 and the identity of what you're trying to set for the course for that. Where it's like, look at these indie games. That's going to be there from the start. Yeah. You know, shit like that. I think they need to do something like do that. that, too. Because if they go in with big dicks just being like, this is PlayStation only, like, they could do that. But show more support, you know, get your third party people, get your second, get your independent people. Yeah. But and then we, if you look at E three, you know, people kind of talk about the relevancy of E three and stuff, and I'm like, I, I think E three is still relevant, and I feel like it has growth, but it's moving on into like this public sector that it wasn't before. Mm-hmm. And there's so many other avenues for companies and publishers to show their dick, their marketing I dick, mean, so to speak. We e- see it like a couple times a year with like Nintendo and their directs yeah. or their Smash directs, and it's like that's a way for them to control their messaging and show them what they want, how they want to. Yeah, again, I think that's that's one big reason. If Sony was going to like drop the, the PS5 at E3, mm-hmm. I mean, people are going to still be comparing that conference to what Xbox is up to mm-hmm. or what EA said and stuff. And it's like, this is them stepping outside of that bubble and going like, no, nah, it's Sony time. It's Sony time to shine. Mm-hmm. That's what it all is. It, it's, it's a savvy move. But uh, yeah, I get why people are... Actually, I don't know. I don't yeah. know if I feel that much toward I, them leaving E3. It is what it is, but like yeah. I'm not sour because I know they're still going to do something. I know there's still announcements yeah. to come, and I know that they recently announced that PS5 was fucking in the works. So like we know things are coming. 
Um, but if they showed up to E3 2019 and it was like, well, here's another part of The Last mm. of Us 2 you haven't seen yet, I'd be like, all right, Sony, come on. But on the flip side, do you think this is a big opportunity for Nintendo and Microsoft and other developers and publishers to step up and kind of take the spot that, like, Sony has left? Well, I mean, Xbox already came out with a tweet and saying, like, oh, okay, well, let's see you guys at E3. Yeah, I thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah, which, which is fine. Um, yeah, I think it is. I think Xbox is, like, they, they this is their opportunity to fucking, there's a vacuum right mm-hmm. now. There's a void. Fill it. Absolutely fill it. Rule the roost, mm-hmm. so to speak, and maybe get on all those partners and and like I, you know, they've been doing all these moves, eating up third party studios, making them their own, and mm-hmm. I kind of want to see what that roadmap looks like, and I feel like 2019 is the perfect time for them to do that because right now, I mean, what we're not talking about this episode is the XO18 event because mm-hmm. they didn't show shit worth talking yeah. about. It was a lot of emphasis, like we said before, on Games Pass and yeah. streaming and backwards compatibility they announced that more final fantasy games like the 13 series is not backwards compatible yeah but like it was shit that was like this is this is not string together an event this doesn't feel like an event it felt like sony would have canceled this <laughs> if this is all they mm-hmm. had to show we have we have crackdown 3 finally coming out and people are like oh mm-hmm. yeah the the response from that was kind of underwhelming it's like okay you've been sh- fucking dragging this out for years mm-hmm who who's really waiting for crackdown i, I want to ask i ask every every episode almost. I, I have no idea i think that game's gonna underperform like a motherfucker is terry cruz in it maybe hmm. i'm not sure he's part of the marketing yeah i don't know if you play as him or he is like an agent <laughs> I, an I don't know thing where on. you become him and you live his life i don't know if they they couldn't boil down a release date until now yeah <laughs> so no, but how they're gonna tell me that shit i mean exo that wasn't gonna be for us but like you said for e3 2019 i want to see what the massaging of these new deals looks like granted we're not going to get an obsidian game with them until like 2021 or 2022 because that takes time but i want to see more from that i want to see maybe a name of a project that they have down the line you know something <clears throat> Some, something because um, you know, you can't keep on just depending on the third party exclusively. And I think Sony has proven that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, like, hey, we have strong first party that carries us afloat. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the third party is the the salvaging ground that's going to happen for us players. I get that. Xbox needs to fucking turn that around real quick. Probably. Yeah. Do you think, though, that Nintendo or Microsoft is going to have that, like, premier Monday night spot now? Or whenever, like, Sony's spot was? I thought Nintendo already, like, left the show. Like Nintendo does their own conference. That's like it's usually video like video broadcast, day. but they don't. They don't. They show up on the show floor, but they don't do a conference mm-hmm. anymore. Maybe they will do a conference. I don't know if it's entirely necessary for mm-hmm. Nintendo. Um, I feel like they have a already a strong position with the mm-hmm. Switch. A lot of people are fucking loving it, engaging it. The word of mouth is fire for mm-hmm. that system. I don't think they need to go big at E3 anymore, mm-hmm. really. You know, and maybe maybe that's exactly what we're seeing out of Sony. They see that. They feel, well, why not? We actually legitimately have the top performing mm-hmm. console. Maybe we can go big like that all year, you know, and be fine. Yeah. Do little Sony directs. What if we got a wild card, though? What if we got, like, Amazon Gaming coming in or Google? Like, they fill a spot or have a day on there that, like, wasn't traditional for them. Hmm. That'd be interesting. That would be a really interesting move. Uh, there again, there's always room for somebody else to jump into mm-hmm. the industry. It, it wasn't always Microsoft, Sony, Nintendo. No, you but know? those are the names we think of when we think of like milestones in gaming. No, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> but also, like, remember, Sega had a bone in the race. Sure. Now they're just software. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's a different climate. There, there is nothing to stop. Say, for instance, this streaming thing that Google figures that shit out to a degree where everybody wants to engage with mm-hmm. it. They figure out latency, download speeds 
something. You know, they could be a serious contender at some point in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's, uh, that's always a potential. I don't know that's going to happen 2019 mm-hmm. necessarily, but there is a huge gulf that one of the existing fighters needs to step in mm-hmm. and join the fray. <laughs> Hopefully it's not Bethesda. What the, what the fuck is Bethesda going to do? Like, <laughs> all right, man, here's Fallout 77. We fucked up. <laughs> this one works i swear and then it fucking crashes on stage todd just stares his fucking his eyes start glowing like the mothman (laughs) backed by andrew wk songs pete hines starts screaming it turns out he was just a puppet he's not the true leader behind the scenes it's always been todd it's always been todd (laughs) fucking a man (laughs) well we talked a lot about video games dude we did we always do was it two hours and 16 minutes like oh, I thought it would be? For sure, man. It's out Definitely there. very It's cool, going to get yeah. pared down. It's going to be under two it's hours. It's going to get That's, pared down. That is my goal for this one. But Just, yeah. we thank you guys for joining us on our tumultuous <laughs> journey. The highs and lows, the ins and outs, the speculation about video games. We love the speculation. The yeah. speculation space is where we live. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's been a good time, man. You've been a good time. Thanks, dude. What time is it? We got to play We gotta play video games and I'm hungry and people have been tweeting at me and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's, it's weird always having to go on, like, phone silence when we do things like this and just be disconnected. It's I know. nice and freeing, but, you know, we're, we're creating a product here that we got to do. You know, we got to do it hard. I know, and we do it hard. Mm-hmm. We do it really hard almost every weekend. Almost every weekend. Sometimes oh. we're bi-weekly. God. Anyway, but, yeah, we're going to play some Fallout 76 tonight. That's going to be tight. Fuck yeah, and you're probably going to see more of that again. Uh, you can find me at twitch.tv slash the red herb and Daniel. Twitch.tv slash Dungeons and Daniels fucking fantastic yeah dude it's gonna be let's great let's build our home let's, let's build do, our home i want to fucking do a four-story saver mansion yeah we gotta we gotta find some aluminum just scrap a fucking gun no <laughs> no you what animal. the fuck <laughs> daniel listen you're meleeing any anyway you're the fireman you got that cool axe daniel <laughs> scrap a gun he says at me the Mothman is out there, dog. And we need to bring him down, axe by axe. Blow. Axe by axe. Uh, All right, save roommates. Once again, we always appreciate it. Yeah. What? I mean, we <laughs> did the. Right, we want to do more housekeeping. You I, can find us at. We okay. did it at the top of the episode. It's true. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Play, Google, Google Tunes, Google Tunes, <laughs> the Goog. <laughs> i gotta eat i'm hungry let's okay, go okay, okay. it's ending it's all ending right. it's, it's right. ended all right guys thank you <laughs> it's, ended. it's over I'm standing it's up, up. <laughs> he's out of frame <laughs>